Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And on today's episode, I have a very special guest. This is a conversation that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. It's with my new friend, Shell Money, who is the owner and founder of Money Bikes that makes some of the sexiest looking bikes on the internet and in the known galaxy. In fact, I heard a rumor that the phrase bike porn was invented just to capture the essence of Money Bikes. Shell and I have chatted a little bit back and forth about doing an episode, but I definitely wanted to have an opportunity to get to meet him and interview him face-to-face. And whenever Matt Mason invited me out to the first ever New Mexico Bikepacking Summit and the Danger Bird that uh, just a couple weekends ago, he set it up so that Shell and I could have a chance to finally have a chat. So we met up there on... Friday afternoon after the bikepacking summit. So in the morning, we had a meet the makers, which was essentially an opportunity to hang out with some of the artists and bag makers and bike makers, etc. there that are doing great work in New Mexico. And also just get an opportunity to hang out and chat with a bunch of really cool, awesome folks. After that, we broke for lunch and met up in a park where we had a panel discussion and learned a lot about what the community and the government is doing in New Mexico to make the cycling community and the bikepacking community even richer than it already is. Um, And then after all that, Shell and I posted up on a park bench and had a absolutely fantastic conversation. Honestly, I really, really, really enjoyed getting to meet Shell. After we spoke, we actually got a chance to uh, camp in the desert and do some bike riding together, and I got to know him even a little bit better. So I just want to thank Matt Mason and New Mexico for bringing me out and giving me an opportunity to have this conversation and bringing it to y'all. I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. If you've been following along on social media or on our website, you'll know that we are celebrating Monumental Loop Week all week long. And today's episode is part three of that series. But part two came out yesterday, and we highlighted Grace, who was the 14-year-old who led out the 120-plus field of riders on Saturday morning's Danger Bird. She has an incredible story, and I would highly encourage you to head over to bikesordeath.com to read more about Grace and her Everybody Rides with Grace charity program. She is raising money to provide adaptive bicycles and trikes to other kids with disabilities. It's a really beautiful thing that she's doing and a very great cause. Watching her lead out the field of riders on Saturday morning was one of the most touching and moving experiences that I've had, uh, certainly on a bike. Um, She was filled with emotion, happy tears, happy smiles, and everybody that was there could feel her love and feel her energy. And um, anyway, after she was done, I took a moment to chat with her for just a second. And here is my little chat to introduce you to Grace. Thank you. I'm proud 
Oh, you girl. Oh, yeah, happy tears. Oh, happy tears. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Grace, I host yeah. a podcast and I talk to people about bikes and bike riding. Can I talk to you for just a second? Yes. Oh, awesome. Can you tell me about your bike that you're riding here? This is my bike. And I said thank you to, to the kids that did the bikes. It's a beautiful bike. Thank you. Thank you for uh, leading us out on today's Danger Bird. How awesome was it to be at the front of the pack of like, what, 100 plus people? Yes. I was speechless. That's okay. You're happy? Yeah, I go a bit happy. Yeah. Why was this such a nice experience for you? Uh, as a kid, uh, I, I, well, my little tiny bag, I keep howling. When you were a kid, yeah, when she was a kid, she rode a little tiny bike, and she had to keep pedaling. But now you have this one, right? Yeah. You have this one. This was easier to ride? Yeah. Awesome. Because I'm 14. Because you're 14. Heck yeah. Well, good job. Thank you so much. I'm glad to see you out here riding. That was so much fun. Thank you. Oh, you did so good. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's a tearjerker, right? Again, please head over to bikesfordeath.com and read more about Grace, her story, and how you can help her efforts to get more people on bikes. Before we get to today's episode, let's take a moment to thank the people that made this episode possible. First, with our patrons, patreon.com forward slash bikesfordeath.com is the best way to support the Bikes for Death podcast. If you like what we're doing over here, and you want to buy me a cup of coffee or a glass of whiskey, that is totally fine. So let's thank this week's newest sustaining patrons. We have Brendan Heron and Michael Reardon. Thank you all for signing up to support the podcast. And just you wait. We are working on rolling out some really cool stuff for patrons. And I'm not just saying that. Uh, Actually, I'll tell you what one of them is. On this episode, there is about 15 minutes of bonus content that did not make the final cut, but if you're a patron, you'll be able to hop on later this afternoon and access this episode in its entirety with the additional 15 minutes of bonus content. So if you're already a patron and you want to hear that, we'll be posting that up on Patreon and the private Facebook group as soon as it is available Um, And if you're not a patron and you want to check it out, you know what to do. Patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. Now, this episode is also made possible by Ruby Coffee Roasters. As I mentioned, I got to go camping with Shell the day after we recorded this episode. And we were in a little group there. And I kid you not, Shell had Ruby instant coffee with him and he was handing it out to everybody in the group. And uh, we all agreed that Ruby instant coffee is the bomb. So often I see when I go camping, I see people using either Folgers instant or Starbucks instant coffee. And I think what's happening is that we're overlooking our coffee in our bike packing setup and we're getting ready to go on a trip and we're like, oh shit, I forgot to buy Ruby coffee. And so what do you do? You just run into the store, you grab whatever they have, and then you go on your trip. And so I'm telling you folks, if you want some damn good coffee on your bike packing trip, Ruby coffee has instant coffee or steeped 
coffee available. I think both are great options for bikepacking. They both taste great. My personal preference is the steeped coffee, but when you have the steeped coffee, you do have a little bit of extra trash that you have to consider that you'll have to carry it around. Pack it in, pack it out. So whether you want the instant or the steeped, make sure that you head over to rubycoffeeroasters.com and go ahead and put some in your bike packing setup so it's ready for you next time you go on a trip and maybe pull a money move and bring some for your friends and let them try it too. And a quick reminder that if you're a patron of this show, you get 15% off your first order or 20% off your first order of a subscription when you use the code BIKESORDEATH at checkout. Today's episode is also brought to us by Quadlock. You know, bikepacking is not a new concept. People have been adventuring on bikes since they were invented. But the term bikepacking and the amount of people doing it has never been more popular than now. So what do you need to get started? How do you keep things light but still have enough luxuries to survive the trip? With Quadlock Bike Kit, your smartphone becomes your map, your form of communication in emergencies, and sometimes your sanity. Light but secure, you can easily mount your smartphone to your handlebar or stem to view maps on the go or keep in touch on a long journey. So depending on your bike's handlebar setup, you can choose from their stem mount or one of their two out front mounts. The quad lock case itself is made from impact absorbing TPU outer shell and a tough polycarbonate core and is compatible with the entire range of mounts made for active lifestyles. Quadlock is the lightest, strongest, and most secure smartphone mount available thanks to their patented Quadlock dual locking system. The Quadlock bike kit is safe, secure, and easy way for cyclists to mount their devices onto their bike. The bike kit is extremely easy to use. Simply twist, lock, and go. To learn more, head over to quadlockcase.net. All right, everybody, we did it. It's showtime. So let's have Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think... Oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Podcast. Alright, your turn. My turn to ask you some questions, buddy. Oh, we're here at the uh, New Max New Mexico, New Mexico bikepacking summit, and uh, you you sold a bike this morning. Uh yeah. It was a guy, Fishstick Farms, or I'm trying to remember, he's got two handles. But okay. uh, yeah, he hit me up. We've been going back and forth, but I finally got some frames in stock. So hmm. he's like, hey, just bring it down to the summit. I said, done, sweet. So gave me a grip of cash and I gave him a frame. So, Dude, that was sick. So you knew you were going to make that sell? Oh, yeah, thought, yeah. Or you thought you yeah, were? Yeah, people were walking around like, oh, you just sold the bikes. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm stoked, but yeah, <laughs> kind of knew it was coming. But yeah, he he's cool. He like... Yeah, it was just hit me up and got himself a LaRocca, put a 140 Pike on there. Looks like a comfy rig, yeah. single speed. LaRocca. Yeah. Is that the same bike that Bailey Newbury rides? Bailey Newbury. So there's two 
aspects to the business. There's the production frames, and those come out of Taiwan. And then there's the hand-builts, and those come out of Silver City, out of the bread truck. Oh, wow. So the bike that was purchased today was a LaRocca production bike, and that's in that small shop in Taiwan. Oh, that's interesting. And then Bailey's was one of my hand-builts. So. Oh, fascinating. Um, but there's a lot of crossover. The, one of the coolest parts is the production bikes also come into me in parts, so they send full tube sets. And the really cool part about that is all the stuff that I've tooled up and drawn on the computer, like the chain stays and the sliders and the dropouts, axles, hangers, all of that comes in spare parts or in raw steel form so I can put them into hand builds. So all that work and all that money and investment in dropouts and all that stuff that I've like come up with and drawn, mm-hmm. it's not just dedicated to bikes that are built for me that they're that can serve me in two ways. So this is like in front of us is a hand built, but it has the money changer sliding chain stay and you know the different money changer sliding chain stay. Dude, we're we're big into puns. We're big into puns. <laughs> Everything's a pun. Well but, that's money. It's funny money. Yeah. Money, funny money? Yeah. But it's so, the, but, but what is I mean I'm so it literally like the chain stay unbolts and you can do what? Well it's a telescope. So like um okay. at the end you'll see the right by the dropout there's like an inner tube and an outer tube and then there's two pinch bolts. Okay. So the seat stays actually flex and then the rear axle is allowed to travel forward and backward for single speed compatibility or to put a roll off on or for marketing buzz you could say you know, tunability. So if you put 27.5 in there, you can slam it forward. Yeah. Or if you want to put a bigger tire and you're on tour, maybe you want it back right. further. So or that is the system that Bailey runs on his Roka. Yeah, his definitely has that on it. He was like, not all about it. He's like, hey, can we do some Paragon sliders? And I was like, well, we can, but this is cooler. <laughs> yeah. So essentially by doing that, you're eliminating the slider. You're sliding. Yeah. If you, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of you know i'm definitely into the aesthetic of bikes and uh it's just like the cleanest single speed system that i could think of yeah i'm not i'm not opposed to but i'm not as big a fan of something that looks like it's another contraption off the end of the bike mm. and then you have a frame that leads to this thing mm. and more I, the frame is all you know integrated yeah, not yeah. that there's any fundamental difference and no, it all no, does no, the same no. thing hey, but. It's your, it, that's the thing it's your company it's your take on it yeah and other companies can have their take yeah, on it yeah and, yeah you know it's just it's cool it's i mean it's it's actually that's a really unique design i mean the, uh, are you the only no, one no no no. i okay. gotta back up here because yeah, yeah, um, cool. this is definitely a direct rip off of james bleakley and i don't know where he gets it or if it's an original idea but i mean this is a 140 year old design okay of double diamond bike frame so we're when you talk about whose designs are whose it's a little bit funky but um i apprenticed with james bleakley and i mean i i can't thank the guy enough he's been the the master for a number of frame builders like reeves started out of his tutelage (laughs) is that right uh i'm thinking about like what is it whenever you're a tattoo artist and you're like learning you know you're an apprentice yeah 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 Yeah, you're apprenticing yeah yeah and james is good i mean there's just a number of people sean worked with him moon men worked with james um and that's chris uh and that's reeb original reeb so he's just like He's been very generous with a lot of information. And when I said, hey, I'm thinking about doing something different, not quite what you do, but similar, mm. he was, he's cool. You know, he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, do your thing. It's, it's all good. And James, I mean, he's a total, he's a master. He's not threatened by anyone else's idea or like anything like that. He's, yeah. he's out there making beautiful curvy tie bikes. And I've talked to other manufacturers, uh, 
you know, whether bag makers or bike makers. And in general, I feel like, and I want to get your take on this, but there is a lot of like, oh yeah, it's cool, man. Yeah. Do your thing. You know, yeah. instead of like people being like more cutthroat and be like, right. no, fuck you. That's mine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, what is it? Rising tides raise all the ships or yeah, something? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, I think that's the way it is. Like we're lucky that we're in a time, it's a bike boom and, and not just now, but it has been. And we've, there has been times when in the U.S. or other countries, there's been, you know, local bike makers in every village. You know, it's like That's not. cool. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not necessarily a new thing, but this renaissance of the hand-built is definitely kind of a new thing. And I can see people's, you know, design ideas and stuff, and but people are, oh, are you going to patent that? Are you going to, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. This is you very took- basic shit. Like, yeah. it's not, we're not talking about anything. <laughs> and it, and even the design of double diamonds, I get a little frustrated when people get really excited about some geometry breakthrough or some special sauce. And I get it. Like, I, I'm trying to build with the right numbers. We want the right, right. head angles. I want the right lengths and, and all that. But don't tell me you invented anything. Don't tell me that it's like, oh, this this bike, you can't even believe it. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah, I, well, I'm into it. I think, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm more into uh, versatility and uh, totally. yeah, this idea. Uh, I don't know. I want a bike that can do a lot of things really well. Yeah, and you want I, it made well. I want it made you know, well. I want, you want it to be quality. a lifetime bike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so, that's what I preach. And I mean, if you got the money and the means to have you know one of everything out there, good for you. Right, right. But most people don't. Yeah. So if you're gonna, if this is your thing, you know, if you really love this shit, a bike is a tool. It's a beautiful machine. It's all these things. You know, it's our mental health machine, and um, it's worth spending the money if you can yeah. to to get a bike that will last a long time, rather than, you know, and that's just my approach to it. But that's what I talk about right. all the time. I mean, I want a bike that, yeah, like that Chumba. I mean, it's on its third iteration. I mean, it's been a drop bar mountain bike. It's been a flat bar mountain bike with squishy on it. It's now a squishy with the curvy and like a little bit more laid back, nice. old man feel to nice. it. And nice. It's just a fun bike. It kind of does everything well, and it always, like, looks good, you know? Yeah, yeah. When you say, you know, if you have the means, if you're really into it, I think that's a big part of my luck and the luck of a lot of people doing the same thing is, like, I get to deal with those people that have saved their cash, that really want it. Mm. You know, they're so into it. And it's not like... No offense to anyone else, but it's not like you went to Walmart, bought a bike, and broke down, and you take it to the shop. That interaction has to happen. We got to repair bikes. We have to do all that. But I get to be in this position where it's only the folks that are really into it, and what a privilege it is to like yeah. serve some people that are so stoked on right. bikes. You know, that's really like it's like Bailey, lucky. kind of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like he's the bike shop of of uh, you know totally. not the only one, obviously, but I mean he's. Yeah he's doing his thing he's yeah. in his groove he's in his yeah. element and uh he's attracting the clientele that are also like totally. seeking that yeah and, and how lucky is the guy that gets to make his bike i mean oh that, right yeah yeah two-time nice. tour divide kicker asser mm-hmm. or many more than i don't even know he's he's just a badass yeah you're kind of a badass too though what what i want i do want to know what uh about the name because oh. i mean your your bike uh, your bike company is Mo- money bikes i i i for the longest time, it was Monet, right, in my head, and so it's taken a while to... It's got a certain level of correctness. There's no, there's no real way to say it wrong, so... Okay. <laughs> we, we, we say money most of the time. <laughs> um, money is kind of another funny oh, take, but uh, money. Money. I find you got to pick one and then just 
being indignant about it. Right. So if you say Monet, make sure you correct everyone around you who yes. says money. <laughs> yes. You know? but, yeah. Uh, be a, be a little bit of an asshole about it. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah, pick your wheel. <laughs> Excuse size me, sir. Go, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> no, uh, no, it's Monet. <laughs> yeah. The name is just, I, I used to blog more and write more. So I was kind of messing around with pen names and shell is a Norwegian name. And shell is actually a misspelling of the real Norwegian name, which is K J E L L. Mm. But I have seen like one other, CJ or two other CJs, so it might be an actual. I don't know. Maybe hmm. there's other Yahoos like me. But how long have you been going under that pseudonym? Um, that was like when I was 22, so I'm 36 right now. When okay. I was 22, I went traveling in, in Central America, right? And I thought, oh man, I don't know anyone. I'm just gonna change it. Cool, whatever. And then um, I met some people from my future home my former home now, future home then in Vail, Colorado. And they were traveling too. And hey, my name is Shell Cool. And then I became Shell in this little group. Mm. And then the summer ended and I ended up moving to Vail, Colorado. And all those people were like, hey, this is my friend Shell. Hey, this is, my, this is my buddy Shell. He needs a job. And so now my friends, my workplace, it just becomes easier to go by that name instead of like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. But, you know, my name's Taylor. <laughs> I was going to ask if you're yeah, allowed yeah. to say. Taylor. Taylor what? Taylor Zimmerman. Oh, cool. Yeah, so Zimmerman's from Minnesota. That includes my Uncle Bobby. It's not like I'm talking to Benedict here, who's like, it's a little bit uh, wishy-washy oh, on the name. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know? he's funnier about I, it. He's I know his real name. Anyway, well, I'm not, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I ain't calling him out. <laughs> yeah, that's good. No, <laughs> but, I, but, I'll, I'll come with it. Uh, my, um, my, I remember my first year riding Tour Divide, my mom was on uh, some of the forums, you know, and this is, this was kind of, pre-Facebook maybe? I can't really remember, but she was on the forums and people were like talking about my name and she goes, his real name's Taylor. You know? <laughs> Calling you out early. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But she likes the name Shell. They were going to name me Shell, yeah. but they thought, their school teachers and thought it would like be too, I would get made fun of as the weird name as a young boy or something. Mm. Shelly or something like that. It was funny on the way here, I was chatting with Matt Mason and we were chatting about a bunch of stuff, but I, um, I was like, all right, let me just make sure this is right. It's shell money, right? And he's like, yeah, don't pay any attention to how it's spelled. It's shell money. <laughs> like, okay, that was like <laughs> the yeah. best uh, yeah, yeah. advice he gave me. Because if good. you try to like look at it, yeah. uh, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, like it's not something that I like. People are like, hey, is that your real name? And it kind of becomes like the, it feels a little disingenuous sometimes. Mm. And for that reason... For me, just slightly inconvenient when you have another hurdle to like right. meeting someone's acquaintance and having the, gaining their trust, you know. And so, it's not something that I would necessarily do again, but it's also not something that I'm like shy about or anything. It's just it is what it is. I kind of get it from your perspective, but from my perspective, and I can imagine other people's. It's interesting. It's a nice story. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, it really it's kind of a lame story, but that's. A, I don't you know, think. I don't think it is. I mean, I like the idea of picturing you at a you know a, a early age and kind of your adulthood, and you're like going. Would you say hiking or traveling? And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're like fuck it, man. These people don't know me. I'm just yeah. gonna. I'm just gonna. I like this name. My mom did yeah, too. I yeah, I don't know. You know? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's it's yeah, cool. Something different. Something yeah. different. But uh, money came from. Uh, I don't know, a whole bunch of places, but basically it just rolled off the tongue as like a last name kind of thing, Shell Money, but also inspired by uh, Vince Vaughn's monologue in Swingers. You remember that? You don't, you're so money, you don't even know how money oh, you are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. You're so money, you don't even know how money you are. Yeah. God, that's so good. I haven't yeah. seen that movie in a long time. When you time. watch the movie, think of the bikes. Oh, <laughs> for sure. 
Yeah, it's too bad you can't use that in your like market. I've, you're small enough; you could probably get away with it. Yeah, we do a lot find... of sketchy shit with yeah. uh, with licensing, unlicensing <laughs> logos and stuff. Tell me about that a little bit, because I have noticed that you kind of like to play off of like existing brands and incorporate your own. Yeah, I think we're lucky that we're small enough, so we haven't gotten yeah. in any issues. But um, a buddy that I went to high school with, he actually blew up as a designer, like does really amazing work, and now has like a full firm and. Minneapolis and kills it and um, he still like hits me up and he goes hey what do you think of this you know and he just does funny shit yeah. and so he sends me the New Balance logo rework oh, and that's he cool. just sent me the Marlboro logo really? Money Bikes and I put that one up and I also requested a redo of the Dare t-shirt uh-huh. so I could put them one after another and Golly. I still got grief like there are a few people who are like I can't stand behind a bike company who you know it stands behind a logo like this and I'm like all right, then don't. Dare drug. Uh, what was no, it? No, the Marlboro logo. They oh, did. the Mar. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And that actually was done by a shop in Texas too. Someone pointed that out, and I was like, all right, all right cool. Weird. It's like it's a battle that I don't want, but it was a fun logo. It was cool. It was yeah. like it worked really well. With I, the, dude, I I'm kind of with you. Like, there's fights that I don't want to have. No. You know, it's like I got better things to do than worry about that. Yeah, so yeah. like, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, if you're in my DMs picking a fight, just forget about it. Yeah, you're gonna get a lot of silence. Oh my gosh. I I, I kind of have fun. Uh, well, if it's in DMs, usually I just like whatever. I block them or whatever. Yeah. Um, but if it's on public, I'll have fun. I'm like, you want to <laughs> say something on public? <laughs> what I really want is like people talk shit online. I'm like, come on, a fucking podcast. Like if you want to talk, like I will talk That's to fair, anybody. Yeah. You know, if you have an opinion, you want to talk about it. But, you know, people don't like really. I don't know. People just like to get on the Internet and say shit. So yeah. you can't take it too seriously. I figure it out, you know, you've got a you got like 15K or something yeah instagram is uh it's addictive it's you know run by a supercomputer and it's it's hard to break an addiction you know there's all sorts of terrible things about instagram it's but i can live in southern new mexico and make bikes mm-hmm. and, and run a business because yeah. of instagram and yeah. no other no for no other reason yeah and so for those things i i have got no hate for instagram i really try to keep my profile and content very streamlined and very bike. Hmm. I was and, saying I didn't even know what you looked like. Like I just I you oh, know yeah, stalked yeah. you a little bit to yeah, try to find. Yeah, not a bad not a bad call, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of evil to it. But for me, it's been a huge asset. It's a tool. Yeah. It's like the bike. It's yeah. how you use it. You know, and it is addictive. I mean, and you're fighting a super. It's you against a supercomputer. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. supercomputer is good. Those reels and, are sick. And, it, and it's <laughs> and it's even yeah, the reels. Are, and it's hard whenever you're like building a business and a brand and you're communicating with your customers and your marketing and you're it's a lot of those things and it's a it's it's a powerful tool i was saying to somebody earlier how many people do you think came to the uh meetup and the swap and the the thing this morning uh, i don't know morning, what we call that but 75 people I, 100 I said I said People at least fifty. I yeah. said at least fifty, and okay. I think that's I think that's in New Mexico. That's a lot of people, dude. That's a ton of people. That's <laughs> yeah. a lot of a lot of people. I was like surprised by that. Yeah. But what I was saying to somebody is like, all of this is kind of because of Instagram, right? Like every single person I know here, every single person yeah. that's like coming Everyone should up, just put on their handle tag. It'd be yeah, easier. Yeah, It'd be it really easier. would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's kind. Of, it's it's not really sad. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it just. It's another way of knowing somebody, but I've formed some amazing friendships. I've, you know, all the podcasters run off Instagram. So it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, obviously battled with it myself. And I think ultimately I just try to like use it as a tool, but it's also fun. Yeah, it can be. I'm, to- I'm totally, and I really like finding people 
Um, I like th- it sets up trades all the time. People are want to do knives or bars or you know stuff like that. It's fun. It's like oh, you like barter for your shit. Yeah, well, people hit me up. You know, when you have something to sell, people are coming to you like, hey, yeah. what do you think? And it's great, especially when someone's you know has like a bigger presence than you or something. Yeah. The other day. I did a cargo bike a while ago. I don't know oh, if you caught it. I saw. Oh, yeah. fuck yeah. That's yeah, awesome. electric cargo bike. And um, I was just like a student of the internet, just going around like what head angles and, and how long and what steering linkage types to use and that sort of thing for the bikes. And um, I found this guy, Phil Vandelay, and he had these beautiful videos, German guy, and he had these beautiful videos on, on YouTube. And his YouTube is big. I mean, I don't know what it was, like maybe in the millions possibly views on some of these videos because they're really well done shop videos i could be bullshitting might be a hundred thousand i don't know anyway he is a lot lot. and then i got onto instagram and i I think he had he was in the k's i mean he had a lot of followers and it said follow back and i was just like oh (laughs) so of course i hit him up and you know asked a bunch of questions about cargo bikes and stuff whenever famous people follow me i don't follow them back (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I say fuck. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I do exactly what you do. I'm like, whoa. I mean, to have someone interested, I mean, because it's, it's not just, oh, somebody followed me on Instagram, right? Like, you are, I mean, that's your business. You know, that's yeah, like yeah, what yeah. we're talking about. And they're like, oh, I admire your work. I admire yeah. your art, your craft, you know, whatever it is that they're they're admiring. But, I mean, it's more than just like, oh, so-and-so, like, he likes me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is a funny Which maybe that is part of it, too. Maybe, yeah. Maybe really likes you. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit about your personal, like, introduction to cycling and especially, like, how you got into, you know, the bikepacking world. And and actually, I mean, when when did you start Money Bikes? I think I apprenticed 11 or 12 years ago now. Something oh, like that. wow. So it's, it's been a little while since and when I started did you building. Start, when did you start riding? Um, I think my business, my LLC was formed in like 12, maybe, or 11, something like that. Hold up, man. You got an LLC? Yeah, we're legit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) but I guess going backwards, my dad was a huge bike commuter and he just was like on the bike all the time and like just got us on bikes. And Mm -hmm. he was, he's kind of, I wouldn't say he's a weirdo, but it wasn't a normal activity in our town, but he was just always up for riding across town and he was never into bikes at all Hmm. and he's one still one of my favorite cyclists he just rides the shit out of some bikes and doesn't you know he's not worried about much else Hmm. and um i don't say negatively about myself i'm into bikes and i ride the shit out but my dad it's really beautiful because he's just he's purely a utility cyclist and and uh and it just it fostered a relationship between me and him and my sister especially my mom rode some bikes with us but he would take us on camping trips and we'd just to go you know ride rail to trail and stuff like that and you know midwest riding but he was really like a huge inspiration i got let's see i turned 15 got a moped that was the beginning of the end so when i was let's see 14 i got a little advance on like a temporary work that I was doing for my dad and I bought a Trek VRX 300 and that was it's been called the worst full suspension mountain bike of all time (laughs) Um, but uh, the promise was was it was like okay I'm going to advance you this cash you're going to buy this bike but then no motorcycles no mopeds Uh, like let's let's stick it to bikes and I think it lasted a year and then when I was like ready to get a moped I was like dad I really need a moped 
And so I was really into mopeds and then cars. I did like engine swaps in high school and like got really into cars. And then um, it was my, let's see, second year of college. And I found the cycling team. And I w- I'd already ridden a bunch, you know, I was like into bikes and back in the day, BMX a lot. Yeah. And then had this portion where I was just like motorhead and then came back to it on the collegiate mountain bike team. And I went to North Dakota State for engineering. And the best thing about North Dakota State was their student funds are allocated by the student government. And that's really rare. Normally it's the college that allocates funds for the clubs. Can't imagine, yeah. So you literally just show up to a meeting and I talked to a, one of the student government people and they they said people with visual aids have a hundred percent funding efficacy or whatever. So they, if you showed up with a visual aid, you got money. Wow. So NDSU paid for all entry fees, all cars, all gas, all hotels for every race that we went to. Whoa. And a lot of times I'd be alone because it wasn't huge. Like, I mean, there yeah. maybe like 10 of us in a lot of races, I'd be the only one or something. Yeah. And I went to nationals a few years, not because I was good, just because we were tiny com- right, Midwest yeah. conference, not hard. You, know, you So you got opportunity to travel and like totally. do some we came cool down stuff. To Angel Fire and oh my nationals God, yeah. there. I've never done it, but I have friends that just I mean, especially coming from Texas, they're like, Ooh. right? It's like permagrain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Going yeah. down Angel Fire, and then Seven Springs one year, and then all the local races. And I hosted collegiate races. Just, I mean, I wouldn't say as a lark, but like, shoot, I like bought a little card table and paid an official to show up, and then you know, you give out numbers and people ride a loop. Yeah. But uh, that was kind of my reintroduction back into it, and um, I got fairly into it. I like, you know, had cool bikes or whatever but really it was the tour divide was the impetus to kind of like really get back into cycling because so i i collegiate raced and stuff but then there was a point where i just was a ski bum no cars not really biking much and then i started dirtbag touring as kind of like part of i don't know my lifestyle at that point i would i just got a bike cheap bike i actually pulled it out of a dumpster and then i i ended up riding it from where I was in Colorado, back to Minnesota. So did you graduate with the engineering degree? Yeah. And this is, so after you graduate with an engineering degree, instead of like getting a job, you're like, you know what, I think I'm going to do this ski bum bum, and I don't want to have a home and I want to live on a bike and just like bum around a little bit. Yeah. What, can you tell me about, I mean, was that like, hey, I'm young, I'm just like, this is the time to do it? Or you said it was kind of like a lifestyle change or? Yeah. Well, I I guess. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was on a path to, um, to be an engineer. Yeah. And, um which isn't bad, like stoked, whatever. That's, that's the result of uh, a lot of hard work and a lot of privilege. You know, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do Take this. Take advantage, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then I guess at a point I realized it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And I realized I can do whatever I want. Mm. I'm really like, yeah. I'm lucky in that way. So what I really want to do is snowboard. And so I, I graduated and immediately moved to Vail, Colorado, and then was just a snowboard ski bum. Okay. Worked restaurants, and then about halfway through, my I was 10 years in Vail, and about halfway through, that's when I ended up apprenticing with James Bleakley at Black Sheep and started doing the, the tour divide and the bike building, and all that kind of came at the same time there. But rewinding a few years, that's where I was dirtbag touring. I like That sure is a sweet bike over there. It's Bailey Newbury. It's Bailey Newbury, everybody. Yeah, the highest rated Bikes or Death podcast of all time. Everybody's favorite podcast. <laughs> oh, oh look at that. Nice. Damn, I just got crowned. I got knighted. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Appreciated your uh, your speech, your presentation earlier. All right, buddy. 
Yeah. Well, good luck uh, coming up the next couple of days. Yeah, I'm not going fast, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See you, See bud. You. That is my favorite bike, period, end oh. of sentence, oh. right there. I, I mean, I don't know if I said it that explicitly on the podcast whenever... I podcast with him, but seeing that bike in person, I mean, it's like sexy online, but it's like a, it's a badass bike. Yeah, there's some, does it have like a Zia inlay somewhere on it maybe? Yeah. Some cool little details on it. Yeah, and I like um, how, and you know, for people listening, like Bailey was talking about earlier, his, um, what was the name of the ride that he did? Do you remember? CDT through ride. CDT through ride. And, but he had that bike set up differently and how you can like, you know, it speaks to the versatility of that bike. He puts it squishy. He doesn't do too much. He's a single speeder, but I guess it's either going to be squishy or, or, or rigid. He threw some gears on the other day. Oh, did he? Not for the CDT ride, but he does. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's good to know you dip He's, a toe in every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, I mean, he has like a, a mortal hair to him, but that's about it. <laughs> What a great human being. How cool is it to have him on one of your bikes, yeah. man? I mean... Super lucky. He paid for it, too. Can you yeah, believe that? That's a stand-up guy, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, that's... Um, I've paid for all my bikes. Um, yeah, especially if you're buying from somebody that's, like, running out of the back of the bus, and you're like, hey, bro, can I get a discount? You're like... I mean, I'm doing this. I'm assuming overhead is a is yeah. a reason. Maybe it speaks to the lifestyle you were talking about earlier, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe a little bit. But yeah, yeah, go back into your. Maybe that's a good segue. Uh, yeah, let's yeah let's not get into the weeds too much. I okay. was like, okay, let's let's not make this terrible. But so yeah, just the dirtbag touring thing. Apprentice with James Bleakley, and that was specifically to ride the Tour Divide, and that would have been going from dumpster bikes, melt crate, whatever to riding the tour divide and i was really wanting to like prepare every portion of myself for that ride as cheesy as it kind of sounds but i had like done um been in thailand did vipassana meditation and and stayed in a monastery for a while and oh. i thought oh that's kind of like a cool sharpening of the mind and then Vow you know, silence uh i mean it was it was a, a 10 day with some extra at a monastery so yeah, I was silent, you know, yeah, the whole... that's neat. Yeah, I've was, never met anyone that's actually done that. Yeah, I mean, note. people do Vipassanas. The, the special thing about this was it wasn't a Vipassana per se. It was just showing up on a monastery, and it would just so happen that it's Chinese monastery, or Chinese people, but it was a Buddhist, or sorry, uh, a guy from Bhutan. Bhutanese? I don't know. Anyway, like so Bhutanese. he was the Saido, the head monk, was this guy from Bhutan, and so to communicate, they spoke English. And so then... If you're a gringo, they they were happy to have you show up and and live live the monastic lifestyle for yeah. a number of days. Yeah, and cool. so that was cool. Yeah. Um. So that was part of it. The like sharpening the mind, and then the machine. I thought, oh, it'd be really cool. So I kind of jump into this rabbit hole, and a lot of people do because I deal with these people now. Is like, hey, I'm gonna go ride the tour divide, and I really want to have a great machine. Like, I don't, I want, I want to get that dialed in, and that's what I did. And I jumped in and. Looked at all these bikes and a, and a lot of links, a lot of this rabbit hole was kind of tie bikes, fancy bikes, and James Bleakley comes up, Black Sheep. And I was actually on my second or third, I did this tour from Minnesota to Colorado a few times, and I was riding back from Minnesota, and I was coming through Fort Collins, and I called James and I said, hey, I'm riding through, um, can I stop by the shop? And he said, yeah, no problem, stop by the shop. And uh, I said, okay, um, I'm out in somewhere out in the plains and he goes oh you'll be here in like half an hour i was like no you remember i'm biking he's like oh yeah i'll probably you know, i'll see you by, by the end of the day and i was like okay <laughs> sweet and i went into the shop and we really like we clicked 
James and I, and the Tour Divide was kind of like a little bit newer and didn't have the same like... Was it 2012 you said? I want to say my first year riding was 2012, so that meeting was probably like 11 or 10 or something. It was post-movie, I think, but it's still, like it wasn't... Not like it is now. Yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah, we we clicked and he said, hey, I'll, I'll make you a deal on a frame. A frame fork or whatever, and I said uh, that's very generous. Um, you know that these things cost you know four thousand for a frame, thousand dollars for a fork, and I'm thinking, thank you so much for this deal, but I didn't come here expecting to spend all this money on a good deal. Yeah. And I said, hey, because I was working restaurants up in Vale, I said, hey, I, I'll take you up on that, but I want to come down and at least watch. But he had already had people apprentice, so he was like, yeah, no problem, come back, come down, sweep the floor, like do do your thing. When I apprenticed with James, the goal was to learn. So I had a notebook, and I would just pick his brain the whole time. And he's very forthcoming. He'd tell yeah. me wall thicknesses and machines and saws and, ev- you know, everything that you kind of need to wow. know. And, and the the hard part about building bikes or it's learning— like a master class from a master, right? Yeah. I mean, a personal master class. Yeah. The hardest thing is um, you'll never weld. I'm never going to weld a black sheep because guess who welds black sheeps? James, the best yeah. welder in the house, you yeah. know? And so— that's the trickiest part is when you start out, you're going to suck at welding unless you're a welder, but it's still a little different thin wall, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard. So that was the thing. I just went really hard to try to learn everything I could. I lived in a van in his parking lot and I'd show up early with James and I'd leave late with Todd, now Moonman Bikes, but he worked there. So mm-hmm. I just spend the whole day in that shop and writing down. And I definitely had the goal of at least doing it on my own. I wanted to like get my own tools and make one of my own. So, oh, wow. Just even if it was just for yourself. Yeah. I just like, it was fun to have James. I'm going to just say it like this to have James build me a bike because I was there. I cut some tubes or whatever, but it's, it's a black sheep and James built it. Yeah. So anyway, let's rewind like the three parts, the mind, the machine, and now my, my physical, the the body. Right. So that I was like, well, what's the best way to train for a tour? Probably go on a bike tour. I'm thinking. So that first year I ended up flying down to Costa Rica and with some friends and then brought my bike down and then rode back to Silver City, actually. Oh, my. Yeah, rode How back. How many miles is that? That's a ways. <laughs> it's a ways. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. sounds like it. It was a cool tour. It, it was Central America's great. You see a lot of countries pretty quickly. Yeah. Like, really cheap lodging. Man, I didn't even camp that much. You yeah. know, it's just, like, cheap Like, hotel. staying in, like, little hostels or yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, that was that first year, and I actually ended up in Silver City. It had I had a road bike at that time, a vintage Trek And then I swapped for my fancy black sheep in Silver City and prepared for like a little over a week. And so met all these bike people in Silver. And So you didn't even, were you picking up your bike? Well, it got shipped. I boxed it before I left on this trip. And then I rode back up to Silver and then it got shipped into Silver. And then I swapped bikes out to have my race machine. Uh And so that was it. That was like, now I got the bike, you know, whatever. And um, yeah, it was... What was your goal going in? I mean, you to go to go to push myself. I wasn't necessarily chasing records or for wins. Now it seems like every year you're watching the leader and the win and stuff. I guess I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I did pretty well. I, I finished in 19 days that year. Really cool. My dad didn't even have a passport. Had to get a passport to fly to Canada to surprise me at the end. Oh, oh, you did it uh, south to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I call cool. myself the Manilope from Antelope. Um, <laughs> the Manilope. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. You love the pant funds. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was, yeah, that was cool because if you start from the north, you're going to start with, even at that time, 100 plus people. And if you start from the south, 
you know, I mean, two, Yeah, there's just a few people. Yeah, and so limited resources, bike shops, all those things that just get clogged up for all these pack riders. And also for me, you know, I had done all this solo touring and all this, all these things. It felt right to just be out there just going. And, and I, it's sticky situation to get into like how austere the tour divide air quotes should be. But I think that for me and my experiences, it was great that I was going northbound and really like what does austere mean? Um, for the uh, austere, like um, rustic or without okay. stimulus or like yeah, so like the most purest bike packing experience, yeah, kind of, yeah, thing. no yeah. frills, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and so that was kind, of, yeah, that was the kind of the northbound thing. I really liked doing it, and I also. I really liked the attention on track leaders and stuff. I'm not going to win the thing. I'm not first. And if you ever go on track leaders, you click on first. Maybe you look for another dot, and then you're like, oh, that's about it. Or maybe someone's racing each other. But it was cool. I was decently competitive that first year, and I was going northbound. So, like, this is when my mom was on the forums telling everyone my name. She's, like, (laughs) calculating how quick I am compared to southbounders and stuff like that. So. It just it was a kind of a fun twist on it, yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's an interesting, interesting way to do it um, if you look at it from a uh, resources standpoint and like how they're all clogged up going that yeah. way. Yeah, I want my chocolate milk. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they'll be restocked and ready for you by the time you get there. Plus, you get to uh, see everybody, you know, coming the yeah. other way. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, great question, and it, it almost could be a little issue because the first year. I did a quick calculation and I said, well, there's like 120 riders and let's say I get each of them five minutes. Well, that's, that's a chunk of time, especially when you're hustling and stuff. So I made this little rule that I said, if they get out of their riding position and sit up and really want to engage, I'll stop. I'm not going to be an asshole. I don't, I don't either ride by people or whatever, Right, right, right. but, um, if they are head down or whatever, see you later. So it's body language, yeah. Yeah, because the person that sits up on the bars maybe has something to say, but if you're suffering and maybe it's it's not a great time to chat, then I don't care to chat. Like I'm yeah. just gonna. So it was a good like barometer. Yeah, and and so also yeah, they're either head down because they don't feel good or don't want to chat, or they're like going after it yeah. and they're like don't you know. But yeah. either way, yeah. and Matthew Lee also said he said I always stop for tours. So people that are like interested in engaging the race, not necessarily racing, and that he raced at a time when there was no one on the route. Mm-hmm. So he's he was happy to stop for every single person on a bike yeah. on the divide. Yeah, and that for me, I did a lot of that. I, you know, I like like to chat with people and stuff. And I wasn't setting records, so who cares? You know, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. whatever. Who won that year? Do you remember? Oliver Whalen, I think. Wow, see, that's Wally. back in the day. Man. Yeah, I so that's heard uh, of that Craig Stapler and Oliver Whalen rode wow. shoulder to shoulder for a lot of the route, and Craig's pedal fell apart in Grants. Oh no! Yeah, and they were amiable. Did he one leg it all the way in, or did no? He, no, that's he Grants. Just, it's what I don't know. Miles or something. How many? Four hundred. Ah, that's a long way. I yeah. was thinking it might be a little closer than that. <laughs> it was so it's hard a, to yeah. get it that far, and then I know, to like, nah, yeah, because yeah, Craig actually raced my call hard um in i want to say it was one of the years he went like 14 days or something yeah and then craig was racing really hard and i knew craig just by like racing and whatever and i remember craig said something like this kid is insane he's running five hour pace all day long and craig really wanted to win he's back out there to win and he was trying to chase my call not ride shoulder to shoulder chatting with this dude he they were they were going for it yeah yeah. and i'm not I, i don't know i love 
hearing about those experiences, but in my time on the divide, I never raced anyone. <laughs> you know, I won the Northbounders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I'm uh, not. I'm not a racy, so I. I don't. I I love it. I get yeah. so excited by. It. I love to talk to the people that love to go fast, and I love. I mean, even you. I mean, you were. Absolutely, I mean, 19 days is no slouch, yeah. especially especially in 2012 when. Right. I, I think times obviously just get lower and lower and lower, right. and so I don't know exactly where that lands you in 2012, but I have to assume that was a pretty quick time. I think there was like a sixth-place finish or something like that. Yeah. So it was for me, and uh, I ran it two-speed that year. So a, a, a dongle speed or what is mm, it? Well, actually, if you want to get really nerdy about it, so at Black Sheep, I went in saying. I want to build the ultimate tour divide bike. And people always do this. These are armchair bike builders and bless their hearts, uh, love them. But if you sit at home, you're just going to dream up the most amazingest bike ever. And that for me was a soft tail. So like little suspension, rear suspension, mm-hmm. um, lefty. Cause Matthew Lee wrote a lefty. That was like cool shit. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. So soft tail, lefty roll off. Because roll-off, why not? Yeah, fuck yeah, internal yeah. gear, all, you know. So that was the bike I went in to apprentice and make at the end. And then when I graduated, when I left, I ended up with a single-speed fat bike thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really like... Did, did you build the soft tail, the, the, the double? No. No. Oh. So James does like a, a, like a flat plate that acts as like a flex plate, and then there's a shock linkage up top. That was what he was building at the time. Wow, so it was like crazy. two inches of travel or yeah. something, a soft tail. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a fun project. But yeah. anyway, let's see. James, Tour Divide. Oh, so that's the first year Tour Divide. Yep. 19 days. My dad's at the finish. Yeah. Great. And that was <laughs> my closest to a full run. So I've never had a full complete run at the race or whatever. Um, you didn't so, complete that one? Well, so there's something very cruel about the Tour Divide. And officially, you're not on the books unless you have a a complete run meaning no fire detour no flood no you didn't you didn't deviate from the ride at all Mm -hmm. you did the whole route and it can be rare unless you're billy rice who seems to do it every single time that he tries but um if you don't you don't get an official finish time so that for me was a fire detour in the gila Uh. you know and i'm going around this fire and so it's cruel yeah like even right away you're technically dq'd i'm not even and in that year southbounders got clean runs that fire was gone oh you know so it's a really cruel thing wow that is cruel yeah but it's i think it's a beautiful part of it it's just like if you're really trying to go hard and your point is to put a time on the scoreboard well then it's going to be extra hard for you idiot you know what i mean (laughs) so i've done it i've raced three times i've gone hard three times on that thing no official finishes and i think it's like a a great cruel part of it is like yeah, you didn't get what you set out to because that's it's obviously not the point, you know, to to nec- some people, yeah, put the scoreboard uh, time up, but well, I mean, at that point you weren't doing money bikes. I mean, you were apprenticing, you were thinking about mm-hmm. uh probably building some bikes. What was your thought process? I mean, you were getting like pretty hardcore into like bike packing and right. racing. Like were you yeah, yeah. What, what what direction did you think you were going at that point? Well, let's see. So that that divide I I'm going to air quote hard because I didn't make that black sheep James did, but I made a bike and I made the luggage and I had through hiked and made like tent, quilt, stove, ice axe. I I just got into like making stuff. That's awesome. Um, So when I went to tour divide, I thought, I want to try to make everything, but you can't, it's hard to make tires, you know? So like (laughs) I apprenticed to make the frame, but my next year, the goal was to like make my own frame for real. 
you know, not, not yeah. having like James had done it. So yeah, I came back to, I was in Vail just waiting tables and then I thought, yeah, I want to do this. Um, what's the cheapest way I can get into it? You know, like a little plumber's oxyacetylene torch. Um, I did throw down on like a extruded aluminum, pretty generic jig that's kind of put together. So I bought a jig. I think I paid like 800 bucks for this 80-20 jig. So it wasn't exactly cheap, but it was like, okay. Seems reasonable. They, for... It was the only thing I knew how to do was like feed tubes into a jig. And yeah. so I thought, oh, I'll do that. And so got the jig, got the little torch, gave a little weed to the not the landlord, like the um, property manager where I was at the condos and he let me use the pool maintenance room. So I like moved in the pool maintenance room and I just had boxes on the floor, oh. had my jig, had ooh, had some files and a vice, I guess. And that was it. And uh, it, So that was shop 1.0 was in a... Shop 1.0 was in the pool maintenance room <laughs> at Breakaway West in, nice. in Vail, Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, that, I love that, that origin cool. story. That yeah, is. and there was a buddy of mine who I went to school with, and he actually moved to Dallas. And he was he had like a real job at this point when I was like Peter Panning, and so he ordered a bike. I told him I was building bikes. He goes, "Oh, can you make me one?" And I said, "You know, can you buy the parts?" And he said, "Sure." So I did his and mine at the same time. Mm. And I think, despite my training, I definitely put the bottom bracket in wrong. That his was crooked as shit. His oh, was real no. crooked. Yeah. So, and mine. I like, so at the same time I did his, it was kind of like practicing and did his bike. And then at the same time I built my first tour divide bike. And this was my second iteration of dream tour divide bike. So I wanted drop bars because I really was into not only that aesthetic, but also like the multi hand position. I saw a lot of people running drop bars. I thought that was cool. Yeah. 29 plus I got beat up a lot running like too high of PSI on a 2.2. And that was kind of PSI had a lot to do with it. Like there are just certain sections that beat the shit out of you. And I thought, man, if I had big squishers, you would be maybe your tire slightly slower, which I would disagree with. But maybe you think the tire slower, the big fat tire. But in the end, if you can sit on that bike all day, it's exponentially faster. So this is when I'm on the bike. The Nard came out, the Surly Nard tire. And that came out slightly before the bike at the Krampus. Hmm. Maybe at the same time, but I think the tire was available first. So I built a 29 plus drop bar, basically exactly like my Alcantara, kind of like a road inspired geometry. So kind of horizontal ish top tube. And I built it lugged too, which is a weird, weird decision to make because lugs only work basically with old road bikes. And so you have okay, to like dis- stretch. Dis- oh, lugs. And, uh, yeah, disc- describe yeah. lugs. Go ahead. So lugs are like the sockets that tubes plug into at all the junctions. Right, okay. And so at that point, it's more of like a plumbing. It looks like a plumbing. Right. Yeah. And then you weld it in. So you- right. But those are only available in set angles. And those angles only work with basically old gotcha. road bikes okay. or classically. So when you put 29 plus tires on and you want to change anything, it really becomes difficult. And you end up chopping lugs, bending lugs. And I got into trouble actually because the bottom bracket lug needed a lot of work and that bike ended up cracking pretty quickly after I started that trip I rode from Vail to Silver City and somewhere in there it cracked Mm. in Silver it was like the day the start of the divide and I was like I don't think it's that bad and so I I just sent it steel? yeah steel so it was just I think it was just the silver in the shoreline of the lug and not necessarily the tube itself. Right, right. But so for that reason, I was able to ride that thing a long ways. But I had a little flux. This is my second tour divide now. So starting in Vail, down to the start, again, Silver City, hike and bike, all those people supported me again. It was really like, really an awesome 
the people in silver are awesome. So like when you rolled through, they were all out there like supporting. Yeah, you, yeah. You know? Oh, you need parts? Yeah, we'll order you all whatever you want. Here's a, a stand you can just work on it in the shop. Yeah, you know. Wow. So it was really cool. And then so the bike's cracked. I go to the start knowing it's cracked, but it's just it weighs really heavy on you because like you're about to start throwing down. And once you start throwing down sleep deprivation, you're making an investment. But counter to that investment is that just that crack underneath you. You know, it's just it was really hard. Like a crack in your like oh my God. sanity in almost. Your psyche, like, yeah, yeah for sure. just like <laughs> And I had brass and flux along with me because I would like I was like, well, maybe I should bring some stuff to fix it so I could stop at a farmer right, and grab right, a torch. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up racing, but also like kind of stopping checking around for a torch no one would have one okay i gotta go and like <laughs> and then finally i ended up calling a frame builder in salida colorado named don mcclung and don's some people will know his name he's 78 now and he'd been building since the 80s and i knew his name and i said um hey don i'm riding this ride i cracked my frame i built my own frame i cracked it you know could you help me fix it and also could you do it on the spot because i'm kind of like racing this thing and Don has this way of talking as well, Shell, I think that could be cool. We could, we could probably work that out. <laughs> and it was like, all right, hell yeah, Don. I and think we, that was a yes. Yeah, yeah. And I rolled into Don's and we ended up like blazing some weed and I drank way too much because you're like strung out and then you have a beer and you're like, Ugh. I was like, but I had a great time with Don and he, I thought, oh, I'll help, he'll help me fix it or whatever. He fixed it. He made yeah. this like band-aid patch over the crack and. That nice. bike is actually retired in the ACA headquarters in Missoula, Montana. American so, Cycling Association? Yeah, up on the wall is the Tour Divide bike. Why, why Why? do they commemorate it? Or did you know? Yeah, well, what? there's a lot of cool bikes on the walls. And I think his name is Greg Seipel is his name. And he's the founder of it. And he and I got along pretty well. And I asked him, I said, I bet a lot of people want to retire their bike here. And he said, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people do. And I said, I can see that. You know, the, he has, like, vintage bikes and a lot of bikes from the Bike Centennial, which mm -hmm. is when he took, like, 5,000 people across country to start the ACA. Mm -hmm. um, so he has his bikes. He has his bikes from when they rode Alaska to, Ar or, uh, Alaska to Argentina for the first time. And he had a Nat Geo center spread. Mm. This Greg. So, and that's when he started. So those are the type, kind of bikes that are right, on the wall. Yeah. And, um finished that year and i rode some other stuff on that bike and then it needed a full overhaul it needed bearings it needed everything and so i called him up and i said hey i know you know but i thought it's kind of a cool handmade bike and it's um it's done the divide a couple times and it's it's rusty. the first one you built right yeah and it's also um a good example of bikepacking because it had soft bags on it and yeah, yeah. and so, so you donated all of it the bags yeah, and yeah, everything yeah, yep, wow yep so people can go and like check out this bike. Yeah, it's cool. Did you uh, brand it at all? Uh, is it, eh. uh, is it what color? Other is than it? the, it was rusty. I rusty? like put linseed yeah. oil on it, so yeah. it was like kind of protected, but yeah, yeah. just a natural me metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I which I, I'm not like advocating I, that. <laughs> there's a point at which you need to protect protect your bikes, but um, yeah, it just it was it was cool and it was lugged. It was kind of weird, and I rode it single speed, so. The aesthetic of the bike was cool. I made like a cool like slider setup on it, and yeah, I was wondering if you were riding single speed because your bike here I see is geared, so I didn't know. Oh yeah, so this one went down to Oaxaca when we went to visit Cass, and those Yeshe, 
good buddy of mine, me and him went down to visit Cass, and he had been to my house a few weeks earlier, and he goes, hey, you got a drivetrain? <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, I got a drivetrain. So we put, like, an 11-speed on his bike. <laughs> and it was funny, we got <laughs> to the it's top. it's hard to get in parts, huh? <laughs> yeah, we, t- we, we uh, got to the top of a hill. Well, Yeshe's hard, so he, the fact that he had 11-speed, it was, like, enough for him. He's single-speeding everywhere. and But uh, we got to the top of a hill, and we, like, he was up there counting the teeth on his cog. And I had told him, I was like, I think it's like an 1146 or something. And we got to the top of the hill and he goes, actually, it's 1142. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I knew Cass had a regular drivetrain and and Yeshe had just gotten one. So I put, this is like a five speed with a friction shifter on the top. So it's kind of just like, oh, I love it. Yeah. With like an old XT derailleur and stuff. Because the hub is actually a single speed hub with a short cassette. So it won't fit 12 gears. It'll just fit five or whatever you put on it or whatever. Yeah, I just got a tandem, and it's a three-by-five, I think, mm, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of just, like, stuck with it, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's probably a freewheel, so it's all one, like the... I'm bike dumb. Yeah, I ride them. I don't... <laughs> I'm not smart like you are, <laughs> <Yeah>. my friend. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that... Let's see. That was... So that was single speed, because that first year I rode that two-speed, and if I rewind, because that bike was really unique. That's my black sheep dream yeah. bike. So that was before... It was a tumbleweed before a tumbleweed was a tumbleweed. And shout out to Daniel. The tumbleweeds are cool because they'll fit a four-inch fat tire. And um, they, they fit a four-inch fat tire with a regular bottom bracket. So it's not a fat bike bottom bracket. He has a regular mountain bike Q-factor, okay. like regular spacing for yeah. your pedals. But you fit a fat tire. You can only fit that fat tire if you have a one-speed drivetrain or a roll-off, oh, right? Because yeah. your chain, yeah, can't, yeah. it'll hit that fat tire. Right. So his, his frames are 29 plus or fat single or fat roll off which he's that was like his mongolia deal like fat roll off and so that's why those tumbleweeds are cool right because they're they're regular bottom bracket with fat tire clearance Talk about plus. versatility yeah exactly this black sheep was a tumbleweed before a tumbleweed was a tumbleweed i got you. so it was four inch fat i had a fat wheel set um i had a suspension fork for it so i had another wheel for that setup but the the rigid setup was cool it's two rear wheels so rear wheel in the front rear wheel in the back so you're wider spaced on your fork okay and so then i ran two gears on the front hub and then i ran two gears on the rear hub so i could swap the wheels front and back and get different ratios right and now i have also have on the bottom bracket something called the schlump drive and it's a two-speed bottom bracket so there's a little toggle button on the spindle of your bottom bracket and you hit it with your heels and that allows uh, like a gear shift on a single speed drivetrain basically so you just have a tight chain Hmm. but you get a planetary gear that's actually part of your chain ring. I don't want to get... This is wild shit. Yeah, it, it's pretty wild. That's why I'm going back to it, because it's, it's worth going... Because it's, it's a cool bike. Yeah. So it was actually the... Sl- I called it the slowest shifting eight-speed bike in human <laughs> history. Because really, you could... You had two speeds on your bottom bracket and then two speeds on your dingle, so you could change your yeah, chain yeah. Um, to two separate gears. And then if you changed your wheels, you got two more. Right. So it was a slow spe- slow shifting eight-speed bike. The catch to it was I never shifted the dingle. I never question. shifted the wheels because the bottom bracket gap was in such a way that you would want to run the spinniest gear possible because it gave you an overdrive. And so the overdrive was plenty tall. And so to climb a hill, you wanted the easiest gear. So I only kept the single-speed drivetrain in the easy gear and then just used the two-speed. So then going forward, you just went single-speed. Totally. Todd Moonman Bikes at Black Sheep Shop. I was, like, coming up with it. We were cutting all this stuff out to make room for this bottom bracket. Why don't you just go single-speed? 
Yeah. You know, he's Did like, you even change it? Uh, that, then I, I started riding that bike single speed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, but that's, a, yeah, I was saying it as him, but yeah, I mean, oh. that was my, that was going to be my question. I mean, you already answered it, but yeah, like you have to really want to change it, right? Like you're oh, going to yeah. want it, want it in whatever gear that is for like a long period right. of time. Well, the, the heel shifter happens instantaneously. Okay. And I wore holes in my shoes. That thing was close to the capability of a multi-speed bike. Because I was never spun out, and I was relatively easy gear, uh, thirty-two twenty-five. Yeah. So. Where do y'all dream all this shit up? You just smoke weed and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> talk uh, about things. <laughs> yeah, I mean that black sheep was really like doing a lot of dreaming about whatever, and then I thought it would be cool to delete the the gears and derailleur. So that's where I wasn't coming from single speed background. Yeah. Like black sheep, Todd. And James, those guys do worlds, and they're into single speed culture. And I hadn't been exposed to that yet, and so I was just like, "What's the most rock solid, bomb proof drivetrain?" Yeah, that's kind of where I was coming to. And the roll off, great hub, but for someone who likes to aggressively mountain bike, flickability is killed. It's it's like four pounds at your rear hub. Oh my! So like it, it's um if you're being active on your bike, it's it's not a super great solution for right. that reason. Yeah, maybe for touring, going. Touring's yeah. great. Yeah, there are people that love it. Cass, he loves, he's all about it. Yeah. You know, Daniel Tumbleweed. Cass is an original Tumbleweed guy, too. Oh, yeah. And so he had one. They're all. Man, you're like a, a bike uh, historian, and you like yeah. have the whole pedigree. Now, I, I really get into people, you know, there, there's people doing more and better shit than me all the time, so I love I love looking at early divide stuff yeah. when it was the GDR, when it was border to border, when Matt Lee started doing that. Yeah. And, you know, those are, those are cool stuff. I really want to like talk to more people like, you know, it would be great to talk to Matthew Lee or yeah. uh, John Stamets mm -hmm. uh, would be great to talk to. And like some of like the OGs that have been doing it for a while. Some of the, I had, I've talked to Mike Dion. Um, obviously he was out there kind of early on, but yeah, yeah. I like to. It's it's progressed a lot in a short period of time, and it wasn't that long ago that right. was that there wasn't that much information, and people yeah. were kind of yeah, yeah. doing it in it. Well, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I'm I'm sad that I'm drawing a blank here. It's the Lace My Twenty Nine guy out at Grand Junction. Lace My Twenty Nine, yeah. It's uh. I don't know. Anyway, he's OG. He was GDR, and it was him and Matt Lee that went kind of like uh, had a tiff because he wanted he had all these fast times on the GDR. And now it's going to kill me. I can't remember his name. I'll come up with it later. Yeah, maybe but, it'll um, pop up. Yeah. Anyway, it was hit. Matt Lee said, hey, he rolled a prologue. So he rode from Banff to Rooseville, the U.S. He rode that the Canadian section when the ACA released it. And then he goes, um, Kiriak. Mike Kiriak is his name. Okay. So he goes, hey, there Mike. You, go. you did it. Yeah. He goes, hey, Mike, we need to add this section. And Mike goes... I don't know, man. It's kind of a cool thing. Border to border. That's what that's what I want it to be. And also, I have a bunch of fast times on this route. So you want to change the route on me? Cool, but eh. And Mike's time actually stood until 2011 or 12 when Oliver Whalen broke it when I was riding. Mm. So this is way back. Yeah. And a lot of people rode in the meantime, and no one bested his border to border time. Yeah. And this is when we were calling Tour Divide records out. It was when Hefe and Kurt and all that stuff, you know, they were setting air quotes records when Mike actually had faster border to border times. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Put me in contact with that guy. Uh huh. Mike Kiriak has a lot out to say. Out of about uh, Grand Rapids? 
Grand what Junction. You Grand Junction. Grand Junction. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay, yeah. Or that's where he was. But yeah. he's done a lot. Kira could be cool to talk to. He's done a lot of... He had, like, this crazy Moots fat bike with fat trailer to uh, do, like, yeah, uh, yeah. the canning stock route in Australia. Oh, okay. I thought... Because I thought, I've seen people do that on the Tour Divide, too, where they, oh, really? they pull a trailer. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, the, Bob but they're trailer, more but, touring. Well, he had a fat bike wheel fat trailer. Right. Custom, all custom tie Moots thing. Oh, cool. And then he... That thing had, like fuel in the handlebar and it was a crazy bike oh my gosh yeah anyway so anyway eight speed bike slowest shifting eight speed bike of all time and then i finally just saw the dark side and was like ah, i'm just single speeder anyway let's just single speed and it's like i said i wasn't in the culture before i started doing it myself and i took to it i, I really liked it it was um people's jaws drop like you do this with one speed because when you hop on your bike you're shifting all the time and yeah. of course you would. You just want to keep a cadence. And so when you see someone without gears, you're like, how, how, I don't, yeah. it doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense to me until I got a single speed. No, oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. And then, then you learn the body English. You learn to drop your cadence. You're not going to try, you're not going to be able to spin up stuff. You have to really drop your cadence and learn this body English, this like slow moving thing. And then once you learn that, people's minds are blown. You learn the trick, yeah. you know, and, and then it's, you have the simple machine, you know, it's beautiful. There's a lot of, you know. Oh, yeah. Simplicity is a huge one. Bomb-proof drivetrain. Uh, and it, it harkens back to us simpler times, like being a kid yeah. on a BMX bike. And yeah. it's like just you just huff and puff up the hill until you get there. And yeah. it takes you out of, I don't know, it just allows you to just be in that moment. Like you're yeah. always having to ride your bike yeah. and you can't ever just like granny gear yeah, and, yeah. and whatever. You're just you're just there doing it. Yeah. I, I ride bikes to clear my mind and my mind is clearest on a single speed. Yeah, but you're not thinking about anything, you know. You're that's a, that's a quote. That, that's some. Oh, is say. it a quote? Yeah, yeah. People put it in their avatar or something. Oh, I don't, I don't, I, I don't. I've never been on the internet before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck all that. Uh, yeah. So you're you're primarily single speed. Uh, generally, I I built that full suspension, and that's a little heavier bike, so that has gears on it. Yeah. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I take that geared bike out quite a bit these days yeah because the thing rips i mean it's full suspension i was gonna ask you what kind of riding you do now like and and so you're in silver city like what kind of riding is around there what do you what kind of riding are you doing we have we have a ton of great riding the cdt like what bailey's talking about comes through there and it's all very much improved in our area so there's like 75 miles of accessible cdt through the forest and that's just a start. Like there's trail, there's multiple trail networks. There's a really cool one right in town called Boston Hill. And that's just like, that's some primitive, tough mountain biking, but it's great because you're in town. And so you're getting your ass kicked right out of your door. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. And then there's Bayard. There's some more mellow stuff, um, kind of like in prairie lands. And then a lot of the, there's stuff on Signal Peak. So you can be getting like you know, 2000 foot descents off of mountains, you know? Mm. So for myself, I like, you know, I like to have sizable rides and I usually ride mountain a lot more road recently, road and gravel, just because I don't know, sometimes I just like switching it up. Yeah. So I take the road or gravel bike out. The Gila has this crazy twisty road that runs through. We have that famous bike, a road race. How far away from the Gila are you? Are you Um, in it? No, the Gila would be like, Man, I don't know where the line line is, but oh no, we're we're right at it. So like maybe I ride five miles and I'm at the forest or oh, something. Oh yeah. So, but um, that's the Gila National Forest, and then you have the Gila and Aldo Leopold Wilderness areas, I think. 
and actually the tour divide splits the two with the North Star Road. So that North Star Road on the tour divide is actually an easement through two wilderness areas. Oh, really? It's yeah. just an easement? Yeah. Who's it's just a ribbon through the wilderness. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool. But, um... Oh, I was asking you... <laughs> oh, about the riding that you like to do around oh, Silver yeah. City. Yeah, so yeah. mainly mountain biking. And yeah, and then, like I said, more recently, getting on the gravel bike. And then I actually came out with a gravel model called the El Peblito. Oh, what does Peblito mean? Did you make it up? or? Well, that's uh, Spanglish for little pebble. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it is so hard to think of names. Is that hard for you? Or No, I love it. I love it. I thought I thought it was kind of clever. Not that clever, but yeah. it was like, oh, gravel. I was yeah, thinking, little pebble. I actually, I had a uh, rough name of Grodum, like a, gr- a grode bike. A grode bike. Rhyming with scrotum, I yeah. thought that was good. I like that, Grodum. <laughs> you should build a Grodum bike. I'm yeah. sure that would sell. <laughs> yeah. So I should plug that one a little bit because I took um, shipment on a new shipment of these Peblito bikes, and they're yeah. sweet. It's, Tell um, me about it, yeah. It's everything that I was kind of seeing. There were holes left by other gravel bikes. One you always see like, oh, this fits a 700 by 48C or a 27.5 by 2.2. That's a common Mm -hmm. size setup. And I was thinking, why don't they just fit 29ers? Why don't we like put the biggest 700 on there? So when I drew it, that was my goal is to fit the biggest 29er. So it, it fits... Pretty much fits a 2.2, a 29.2.2. I'm going to advertise 2.1, so there's no, like, fitment issue. And there's two different versions. There's a money changer version, and you can actually lengthen the rear end. It pulls the wheel away from the seat tube, and that's when you'll get your full clearance. And then there's the lightweight version, which doesn't have the money changer. You save your bolts and binders and slider. You save that weight, and then that one fits, like, a 50C. So they're both 750C. So basically it's built to be the biggest tire that you can fit in there. And then because I have a production drop bar mountain bike, I wanted it to be more at the racy end or um, I wouldn't even say racy, but more uh, like gravel race inspired, yeah. like th- those sorts of bikes. So is that a type of riding that you like to do or are you seeing no, a lot I've, of demand? I've never, I've never been, I listened to you and Bobby and stuff and I liked that exposure to those style events, but yeah. I've never, I've never really done any of that. The, you know, Midwest yeah. is like a great place for it, but I, you know, yeah. I left before I was like into. I don't, yeah, it's not my scene. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm stoked that all those people are. Yeah, but it, it's a, it's, I mean, you're a businessman and that, that's a in demand. Uh, a lot of people want yeah. a gravel bike. Yeah, is, it, it, is it fun for you? I mean, I mean, I wanted to hear more about your, your approach to building a bike and, uh-huh. and what, you know, why build a bike? Uh, why build this bike and why build it this way? Like why build a gravel bike? And, right. You know, um, for the, for the Peblito and how that fits in that have the two other production bikes. So LaRocca trail, hardtail, bikepacking hardtail. And then yeah. we have a drop bar mountain bike, the El Continente. So that's the Continental Divide inspired, you know, that's off-road gravel touring, gravel mountain super capable so that bike has a regular mountain bike bottom bracket so the peblito actually main difference is it runs road cranks Hmm. that's technically then your gravel bike so then i looked at kind of the spectrum of cycling and i thought well i just have a giant hole here road and gravel and all that and then when i dream up something that fills that part of the spectrum i'm thinking like well let's pit the biggest tires we can put on it because those are cool you know that's always better (laughs) so when i i built two of them my pre-production ones i built them road i built them like 
36C, you know, skinny, skinnier tires, which are fine for a lot of people gravel race. But I just wanted to showcase that this can be a full-blown road bike. You know, you put a little skinnier tires. It's a fancy Columbus tube set. You know, you, it's a, it's a light frame carbon fork. This can be a road bike, and yeah. I wanted to showcase that. Does um, it have the money flare? Oh yeah. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, it's raw Philip Bray's. It's got a new yoke that's really cool. It's got some brass inlays on it. Talk about that. I mean, for people, I mean, I think a lot of people are familiar with your bike, but where did you develop that style of, uh, you know, the in the in the pool room uh, at Breakaway West Condominiums in Vail? It was uh, that plumber's torch, and that was the cheapest way to start sticking tubes together. And so, that's what I, you know, James Tig welds, and I got zero exposure to Tig welding. So here I am at square one. Like, what do I do? Um, I took some welding class in high school and stuff, but nothing really. And then a guy named Mark Stonich, and if anyone knows that name, that's a that's a big call out. But All right. uh, Mark Stonich is the bike smith online, but he made short cranks. He got cranks and cut them down in length, so he would make like a 155 or 145 for like tandem people. If you have mismatched tandem oh, okay. duos like okay. Billy and Lena uh -huh. Rice, yeah. she ran 145s and he ran 180 cranks. Okay, yeah. So he can put the torque down. Interesting. You know, so he can really put power in while that the stoker isn't putting quite as much in. Yeah. That's um, a, that's a, that's ingenious. Yeah. So short cranks save marriages, they say. <laughs> if you're talking about divorce. We machines. just got a uh, tandem, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Sarah and I, and yeah. luckily it just fits us perfectly. And, uh, that's sweet. Yeah. We have a pretty solid relationship so far. I mean, I don't know, but <laughs> we just, you know, we, we both very, very chill. We just like to ride. We don't take it too serious. I mean, we don't race or anything. So this idea, I mean, for us, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. this is fun. Like, I don't know. There's not a lot to fight about. And I've been riding bikes since I was four, and she just picked it up like a year and a half ago. So she she trusts me pretty well. She's okay. like, yeah, you just captain, I'll just ride right, back. Yeah, right. she likes being back there. Well, know. that's the issue. If someone's back there and they're not excited about being piloted, you know, I think that's well, it. Well, I posted it, and I um, we were talking about comments, you know, and I got... I didn't expect this at all, but uh, I got quite a few comments about um, from women about how I should let uh, Sarah ride in the front and the captain. Mm -hmm. And I'm, of course, I would totally. Uh, yeah. I have no, and we're actually like tall, you know, the height wise to where we could like make it work or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, right now she doesn't want. She's like, I don't want to captain this. It's thing. awkward. Like, it's an awkward bike to pilot for sure. Yeah, all the extra weight. I mean, you really want to be fairly confident in what you're doing to, you know, captain it and all this stuff. And so there anyway. was a there was a couple on the tour divide last year or the year before, and uh, they were swapping back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be cool. I think I I like riding Stoker. Uh, the first time I ever did tandem was on a um. It's actually on a bikes for death bikepacking trip. First one ever organized. Uh, my buddy Connor and another friend like rode on a tandem, and then like his buddy was like he like tapped out for some reason. I'm not really sure why. And so my buddy Connor was gonna ride the tandem all the way back. It was 70 miles, you know, all the way back uh, by himself. I was like, fuck that, man. I'll get on the back. And I never ridden a tandem. I was like kind of nervous about it or whatever, but. Yeah, I loved it. I was I was back there because I was kind of working. I was like taking videos and gramming. Yeah, it's and, sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. hands free. Yeah, yeah you're just chilling. Good. I mean, if you got a good good captain on the front, you just sit back there and chill. So I had a, I had a great time. I'd I'd be a stoker anytime. You want me to stoke your bike? I will do it. <laughs> <laughs> I got no male ego here, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't remember how we got on to tan. Oh, we were talking about all your different uh, bike lines. Oh yeah. All your all your models. Yeah. Which I want to know. So that's the. 
I guess those are the three stock models. It's the new Peblito and then the Continente, which is the drop bar, and then the La Roca. So those, those three bikes are made in Taiwan at a small shop that I have going over there, and that's been awesome because I've been able to braise with them and learned a ton from these three guys in Taiwan that kick ass. And in, how, how are you learning from them? Are they? I went over there. I've been over there a couple times oh, and sat down and raised cool. my own frames. And that's oh a privilege you only have as a bike builder. You can't just sit down in a factory and take a ha ha, yeah. you know, uh, one month <laughs> position as a as a brazer. As a ha ha. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that huge opportunity. Um, I actually wrote an article for Bikepacking.com and um, about that whole experience, and it was oh, cool. Oh. It was. It was a huge learning. I was it was humbling because I thought I knew something. I thought I was kind of good at it, uh-huh. and these guys, masters. Oh my god, they run so much hotter and faster. So when I got there, I turned up my flame and I was like, "All right, let's go." And I was just destroying my own frames. Wow. Yeah, really. And I would go home at the end of a day and just be like, "What the fuck am I doing here? I'm showing up and destroying my own frames." And I do I do one kind of poorly. And then I would go over and watch the guy for a while. And then I'd go back, I got this. So it wasn't that you couldn't do it. It was you were trying to do it their way. Their style. Their style. And yeah. that's where. So in brazing, if you have a little. Yeah, you, you went in thinking you like knew some shit. And you walked in and you're like, okay, I, there's always levels, man. And that humility is good. Yeah. That humility yeah. is good. But they just ran hot. So they're fl- like I'm running a flame that's four inches long. And their, their flame is like 14 inches long. So this thing is it will destroy your tubing very quickly, you know? So you have to run, you have to watch where that, the excess flame is going. Cause if you're coming into say the bottom bracket and your flame is actually angled in a way that it's coming and just the excess is going to hit right. the bottom bracket, that whole thing will be cooked by the time you get there. Right. And so it's really about managing this massive flame. Like it, the excess flame has to be managed at all times. It can go anywhere, yeah. Yeah. It's like a lightsaber. So if you have a tiny little flame and you have a little baby rod, <laughs> you're in there like a jeweler. You're, yeah. you're laughing. You're like, oh, this is easy. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah, but you're slow. Okay. And in Taiwan, that doesn't, take a hike, but That doesn't pay the bill. Yeah, yeah. they don't, yeah. Slow doesn't pay, that doesn't work over there. Yeah. and Except for their shipping, but that's not them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've had some stuff get stuck in port for like months on end. It's just oh, yeah. like frustrating. Yeah. Talk about... All, like a whole run of frames representing your life savings sitting in Long Beach. For, I can't even yeah. imagine. Yeah. Can, can you even, you can't even like go and get them because they have to process them through the port. Yeah, so it's yeah. just like, just it's sit, just stuck. Whatever. It, yeah. Anyway, that was, oh, so those are the three models. Those are the three stock models. And then I do the hand-built stuff um, apart from those. Yeah. And those are two very different tracks, but the triplanes are like, or sorry, the, the hand-built would be like the triplane forks. Bailey's bike, for instance, was a hand-built. I just like to get in and have like interesting details and... Yeah, so I'm a I'm a potential customer. Okay. okay. You know, let's okay. say. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, I, I didn't realize you had the production and, and the custom build, which I think is, is really cool. One, why do you do it like that? And then as a customer, yeah, I mean, walk me through that process of, of which direction I might go and why. I think the why... I've had the privilege of traveling a lot internationally and riding bike tour all over here and there, you know? And so for me saying bikes are coming from Taiwan, it's like, okay, well that's a little Island off of China. What are those people about? What, what is, what's going on over there? Not just, I don't have a problem with it, but I, I almost get a little perturbed when people are like, Oh, made in Asia. And it's like, what the fuck? Asia? 
You're like, is, are we talking Vietnam? <laughs> you know, are we talking India? Or is this Japan? You know, these are all places in Asia as right. we understand it. So I don't know. So for me, it was like, oh, a lot of bikes come from Taiwan. You know, like, um, let's see what that's all about. And so I, I guess I just, for myself, having a little more international exposure, I don't paint stuff with this broad of stroke. It's like, okay, well, these people make bikes in Taiwan. Who are they and what kind of bikes? Let's check this out, you know? Yeah. So that was kind of an impetus and a kind of a segue to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely open to someone else producing bikes, whether it's simple bike manufacturer in Portland or it's in Taichung and these guys, you know, yeah. ripping it out. So, so you started out on your own, right? Oh, yeah. And, like, yeah. just doing custom. Yeah, so that would be, that if we rewind to yeah. our Tour Divide yeah, saga, sorry. this would be pool maintenance room turned Toyota camper frame shop. There we go. And that That's... that is all the veil progression. So started out in the pool room. Yeah. And then I figured, well, how, how do I next do it? Because I can't afford a shop anywhere around here. Yeah. Um, if I get a little camper, I can fly under the radar and veil and then set up in there and, and start making bikes. So you were living in the van too? No, I was just living in an apartment and that little camper was just parked outside okay. the little apartment and then um, just waiting tables. And that's like- Why build it in a camper instead of just like build it in your apartment or something or- Well, you can't, you can't braze in your apartment. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, you're not supposed to. Well, the thought is, okay, so I have this pool maintenance room and all over the floor is boxes and shit. And what are you going to do? Are you going to start building some- cabinetry mm -hmm. some toolboxes some workbenches yeah no because it's not your room it's, yeah. it's not even so a it's... thing you can invest in what can you invest in what can you take with you a truck you know if you really want to go for it and you want to do something nice for yourself and you want to set yourself up to make nice bikes yeah you want it to come with you and so for me as nomadic as i was it was like of course i want this to be in a truck and, and at the time i did it i had dreams of like oh, let's go to so-and-so's house and build a bike and then whatever. But life is a little weirder than just like pulling up in people's driveways, you know, like a little more complicated, I should yeah. say. Like, So that that part of it, traveling around and building bikes, never really happened. I did travel a lot in that camper, right. in that little Toyota. But um, that thing was wildly overloaded and those things were known for snapping axles. Oh my gosh. So it was like, maybe we... That know. was like Eric that came in the bus today. Did you see him? Oh, okay. In the big old the uh, Mercedes Benz, white yeah, thing? The, yeah, 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 yeah. He calls it a bus. Um, did you see inside? No, I didn't check it oh, out. Oh, dude, it what's is he making? Nice. There? Uh, well, he just it's built for oh, living. Oh, just like a camper. Yeah, thing? but he was just it was just funny hearing him like talk about he wants to get home before dark because um, then you know his gauges uh, don't light up and oh, he can't funny. see if his thing is over he his bus is overheating or not and you know for him it's like you know typically it's a four-hour drive but for him it's like a six-hour drive oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And i'm picturing you like yeah with you know extra weight and all this like stuff totally. driving your yeah. big old camper around yeah. it's just i was actually talking to miles arbor about that because we're looking at doing the van life thing and nice. you know we were talking about like okay do should do any four by four He's like, dude, you're not taking that fucking house yeah. on wheels in no. any gnarly places, no. you know? And no. I'm like, you know, that actually makes right. sense. It looks cool. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, but it's like, you're not really going to do that. The only time I can kind of justify that sort of thing would be like if you're going to do Baja or something and it was going to be sandy, you're getting stuck, right? Yeah. It's kind of... Four-wheel drive is nice. Not, I wouldn't haul around extra axles and drive parts and, that, and pay twice as much. You just get like little things to lower tire pressure, little 
things so you can drive out of sand, you know, like the traction Yeah, the track, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, there you are, four by four, boom. Boom. Yeah, <laughs> gone. And so, yeah, those, I, they're tracked something yeah i can't remember but those things are pretty sick we yeah down, everyone dreams of like what is the best band life thing you know it's like well have you seen the one where you can get uh you like can strap on a, a two by four and uh if it, if you have like a mag wheel you can like uh oh, strap it that. on yeah, yeah, and yeah. you just drive out because it's going to lift it up out of the Boom, thing. four by four four by four <laughs> yeah, no, you don't want to drive it down the road but <laughs> yeah exactly so how long did you do just the van and are you still in the van? Do you still build bikes in the All van? All great questions. Okay. Um, so that was um, like three. So this has been like 2015. And I built and traveled in that little Toyota camper. And I ended up selling that. I moved to New Zealand, did the working holiday in New Zealand. So I was going to be gone for a while. And I always wanted to redo it in a bigger vehicle because I, just, I had a lathe, torch, workbenches there's a lot of stuff in that little camper and by the way they ha happen to snap axles and whatever so i thought oh if, i'll just sell this and then get a bigger vehicle when i come home and so i ended up taking a few orders and came back and i had no shop and it was like oh shit what do i do now and so i started looking at like you like you say different solutions to this problem and i found these old retired bread vans like the step van it's like yeah. a ups truck basically yeah and I kind of got obsessed with looking at those. And then there are a few rare ones that come with little Cummins 4BT little diesel engines. And I thought, how perfect turbo diesel thing. Um, decent mileage, whole shop in there. So I ended up buying one of those in Missouri, driving it back to my folks' place, building it out. And then I drove it to Adam Sklar's shop. And I don't think he was very impressed because I was like, <laughs> I went on a shop ride and I was like, hey, can I was looking for perm registration. So I drove this thing fresh up to Montana yeah. to get perm tab. So you're just registered for life and you don't yeah. worry about it again. Okay. And um, I had done it to the first one, the little Toyota camper. And it's great. It's like a hundred and some bucks and you get registration forever. And yeah, I don't know, know if I should be that. podcasting about this. but <laughs> So um, people usually, the Montana loophole is usually sales tax. So if you have like a quarter million dollar motorhome, you register it up there so you don't have to pay sales tax on it. Oh, yeah. And that's why Montana register scam exists but for me it was like fuck yeah perm tabs i'll take it so then I, I finished this bread truck into a frame shop and drove it to adam's shop and i'm you know i'm like acquaintances with adam good enough i would say friends you know and and um so i roll into town and i'm like yeah i'm really trying to get this thing registered you know really kind of like pretty bummy bum style you know and then on the shop ride or whatever that night i was like hey does anyone own a home and can vouch that I live there so I can get my thing registered. Because Adam didn't, like, own where he was living. So oh, he was, like, a homeowner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just such a sketchball. And I'm sure Adam is like, what the? I brought this kid? What? <laughs> you know? But um, I ended up getting it registered. So it has Mon Montana. See, I feel like, perfect. man, look at that sunset. Colors are popping off. I feel like that is a completely reasonable thing to do. Yeah. I just want to be the registered to the USA for life and charge yeah. me for it. Sure. Yeah. So... That was, yeah, so I'm all grown up now. I have the bread van, and I, I toured in that a little bit. I actually drove it to the Brush Mountain Lodge and parked it and um, helped Chris, Kirsten change sheets and run their lodge and make pizzas, and then also had my frame building shop there. Oh, and, like, wow. People came in and checked yeah. it out. And that was, like, right at the start of production frames. And so I was receiving a lot of production frames, and then a guy, Dave Baker, in 
Silver City was like, hey, it looks like you need some space. And I was like, that's exactly what I need. And I'm leaving Vail because I need some space and I'm going to start doing this full time. So why don't you come down to Silver City? And I was like, okay. So I left Brush Mountain and drove it down to Silver City. And I've driven it a little bit since, but it just basically stays park. It's like a yeah, toolbox. So you live wheels. in Silver. That was like when you moved and right. now live so in Silver City. So that was like City. four years ago. Yeah. And now yeah. the the truck, it does have like a nice plush Murphy bed, queen bed and stuff. And I use it as like a spare room sometimes when people are around. But at the moment, it doesn't move much. And we just, you know, just live in a house like a normal person. Yeah. Well, I would assume like uh, like materials and stuff. Like, do you have all the room for all the materials for all the bikes and all that kind of stuff, or does it help to have some? Once, um, I love the audio on this. I think our audio is going to be. Oh, the audio is going to be the best. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, wow, yeah. best audio. Can we get that other dog going? He's over the <laughs> fence over there. Like, he's just watching. Oh, there he is. Yeah, yeah. Get in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, last night we were getting into our uh, hotel a little late, and uh, oh, now we got the sports racer. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, this is good. Yeah, we were getting in and I was unloading the bikes, and this guy uh, was walking a dog just around the hotel parking lot without a leash. And this uh, dog, I mean, it just saw the bikes and came after me. And I was oh, like, geez. Yeah, I was like, kind of like doing this, like not kicking him because the guy was like, he's nice and he's nice. I was like, Dude, your dog is trying to bite me right now. Like, get him off of me. Yeah, you know? get your like, nice dog away from get, me. Get your nice dog away. You know, because he was like, I mean, I, we're around dogs a lot, or cyclists, you know, and you're like, you kind of know the ones that are like, he was coming for me. He yeah. was not happy. Dude, I'm not a. The guy was like, I swear he's nice. I was like, I, I believe you. Yeah, yeah. Go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> See yeah. you later. Anyway. I'm going to believe you from over here. Yeah, I'm going to believe you. I was tired. I mean, it was a 12 hour drive from Texas to get here. And so oh, yeah. I get out. Oh, man. Yeah, we had some other problems that happened before that, but it was just funny. Like, we get here, and i like, just happy to be here and, like, go to the hotel, and we come out, and I got this dog, like, trying to kill me, and I was like, welcome to New Mexico. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good Speaking of New Mexico, we're here to uh, celebrate New Mexico bikepacking. What keeps you here? You've been here for four years. What do you, what do you think as a current resident of New Mexico? Well, I, I came from the Midwest, so the West, for me for a lot of people in the Midwest is awesome. You know, it's like got mountains. And for me, it was skiing that brought me out to the West. And so then when you're in Colorado in like a busier town and whatever, it's great. Cause as a, I could wait tables and go travel and come back. It's just like a strong economy, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But then when I thought about coming to silver, running the little company, I thought, perfect, you know, way low key. I think what are there like 4 million people in the state? I don't know. Yeah. It's really there's four like, million people in Houston. I know that. Well, there's I think there's four million in New Mexico and like half a million in Albuquerque and then another good yeah. chunk of those in Santa Fe. So it might even be two million. It's it's like nothing. That, wow. So there's not a lot of people here. It's low key for me. It was great because I had to really bury my head and start working a lot more. Yeah. And just not as much stimulus. I had, you know, not as big a friend group as I had in Vail. So it was good to come down. And, right. And then when you get here, the riding is great. And the weather, we're at 6,000 feet in Silver City. So to me, it's very mild all year long. I always say, oh, I didn't even have a heater for years. And my uh, my partner, Erica, she'll always go, but it wasn't cool. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't okay. You were over at my house all the time. <laughs> but but that, for example, like you can't exist. Uh, like 
you know, it, it just right, um, right, right. mild climate and then the riding all year long, you know, it's like great riding in the mountains and I just like, like everyone listening and stuff, like, you know, riding regularly has just been really good for me. Yeah. And Silver City has been just an awesome place to ride. And Yeah, the access to the outdoors seems almost unlimited here. Yeah. I mean, it seems like pretty good. Yeah. And like, like Bailey was saying on the CDT, he sees ve- he saw very few people on 300 miles of trail. Right. I mean, down in Silver, even the heaviestly traveled trails, may- maybe you go out in the evening, you see one other person. Well, that's what Matt was saying about the Monumental Loop, you know, before he created it. And, like, yeah. he would go out there. And he's like, dude, I always see nobody right. out here riding. Yeah. He's like, why is nobody doing this, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. created the Monumental Loop. And, and now people are out there riding. Now you go out there and you ride and you're like, oh, you see people, you know. I know a lot of people in Texas that have, you know, come up and uh, ride all over New Mexico, actually. New Mexico is a... Alaska's the other contingent. Tons of Alaskan are down here in the winter. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Especially these Refledge routes. All. These are all Cass Gilbert routes. Well, the Monumental Loop isn't, but like right. Off-Road Runner and a bunch of the stuff Cass has developed. Yeah. Is he, uh, is he ever going to come back? Yeah. Yeah, he's down. He's becoming a Mexican resident, and I think that'll make it easier for him as oh. a British citizen to travel back and forth. Interesting. Okay. Um, and I think if you're Cass Gilbert, you have an online presence um, that's very searchable. And so at the border, that presents issues for you. You're not a no one that isn't going to work. You're like a person that might, you know. So that that's why Cass wanted to get Mexican residency to be able to oh. move back and forth okay. a little easier. Yeah, he. Uh, I've I've just messaged him a little bit. He talked about coming on the podcast, and uh, he'd be great. Oh yeah. yeah well, I mean, amazing. yeah. So, uh, in a lot of ways, you know, yeah. he's been instrumental in bikepacking totally. for a long time. I'm, so. I always find myself on cast routes. Yeah. Uh, the other day, I was talking to my buddy Nate in L.A., and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to ride this such and such route." in you know above above la it's an, it's a cast route and i'm like i'm riding a cast route this weekend you know it's like <laughs> yeah he's, he's uh infamous for sure he's yeah like, he's built a lot of him and whether he, what's his uh i'm trying to remember his old blog uh while out riding while no out riding. is that him while out riding is him okay yeah. yeah sometimes i get him confused yeah yeah are you what are you doing for the danger bird tomorrow what's your plan just rolling slow rolling with matt and crew and slow and getting I don't know. Having a good time. <laughs> getting weird in the desert. I think we're getting weird in the desert. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to go out. And then if you are currently waiting on an order, I'll be returning promptly <laughs> to uh, Cruces and then probably back in Silver on Monday. Yeah. So. Well, this won't come out till after then anyway. So you'll, right, right. you'll be already well yeah, back yeah, to yeah. work. You can listen right. to yourself on I'm a at, podcast. While lot. you're listening. Yeah. I'm actually filling your order right now. Yeah. Yeah, while you're listening to this one, I'm besting my ass to get you all your... How is... I mean, you're doing the damn thing, huh? Like, you you own a bike company, and that you're not waiting tables anymore. Yeah. You're... Yeah, that's kind of crazy to think yeah. about. But. Yeah, th- you asked me earlier about um, why, why Taiwan and why this style of business. And I don't think I'm smart enough or good enough to elevate myself to some of the people that really do an awesome job, say like Reeb, they're like a medium manufacturer and they have a mill set up for every cut. And this is the stuff, it's like a, you know, they're, they're a small manufacturer or even oddity, Sean, like if you go into a shop, he's got bridge ports and multiple jigs and a lot of workflow, you know, and he's got interns and, you know, he's, he's managing a lot. Yeah. And when I look at Sean and I look at these other things, I'm like, I don't think I'm as smart or as good at like that manufacturing end of it, like really building up something that can produce a little bit faster. And so instead of investing in 
some machines and maybe some help or that sort of thing. Instead of trying to manage all that personally, I just found people who are also good at it and that I could, yeah. you know. Well, um, I think it's cool that you went over there and I like how they showed you up, you know. Yeah. I like, I mean, not for any other reason that what I liked about it was that um, it has to give you a lot of confidence knowing the people that are building your bike to know how good they are to know that whenever they come you're like okay these guys are actually building a really good bike so and a lot of bike building is like feedback like you could build bikes forever in a vacuum and you could just keep pumping out bullshit yeah and you would never know but these guys have built a lot of bikes and know what works and what breaks and what doesn't you know they have had a lot of feedback yeah and so for that reason i am way more confident in like talking about two-pass brazing, for instance. So some people that braze would say, oh, I would never go back over a braze. That's putting more heat in the joint. I would mm -hmm. never do that. And in Taiwan, they're two-passing, right? They're putting down with a stick and then they're coming back over and taking out all inclusion and running that bead back around and it's perfect. Okay. So before, if I were to two-pass something, I wouldn't want to tell anyone. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, I, I don't know about all that. But so now, you would two-pass it to potentially clean it up a little well, bit? Well, clean or? it up and then all inclusion. So if you come through, you're remultifying this braze there and you're injecting a bunch of flux with your fluxer and you're getting it perfectly laid down with no voids or inclusions. Yeah. So that the thing is going to end up stronger with a little more heat into the joint. But the question is, as an amateur, I don't know how much heat is too much heat. I don't know how, you know, but then you go over there and they're like, this works. Yeah. This is what's up. Right. Because and so now I can them. sit here and say, hey, sometimes I one pass, sometimes I two pass, and I'm okay with either, you know, because I know that these pros, this right. is their system. Yeah. And guess what? It works. Right. You know, and if you don't think it does, you're wrong. Because, <laughs> you know, they're, they've done. How do you, how do you handle works. warranties? And I assume you've never had one. But. Yeah. 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 I, I no idea. Um, <laughs> no, I, that's a huge part of the business and that's an advantage because there are a lot of people who have great bike companies that just draw bikes and receive bikes and sell off bikes. You know, there's a lot of smaller bike companies that do that. And I think that's great. I have no, nothing against that, but you run into problems cause you can't fix them, you know, and you can't ship them back to fix them. So mm -hmm. what your only tool in your toolbox is a new frame. So that I think is a, a huge advantage for me running this hybrid business is like, yeah, I'm happy to get your bike back in and modify it or do mm, whatever. Yeah. And so, um, I'm trying to think, or, you know, you run into the garage door or whatever. Bikes yeah. have all different reasons yeah. for breaking or whatever. So. I, yeah. It's cool. Do people modify their bike afterwards or like they, they like buy a bike and then send it back to you and like, let's do something different or, um, or once really. in a while, I, you know, my time is valuable. So I try to discourage people from like, Hey, can we switch the head angle? It's like, well, it's possible. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I would, I would rather be talking about a new frame at this point before we invest like $600 yeah. in multiple tube. How much, tube how much of your so. process, if any, is like, uh, customizable, you know, like specifically for like the hand built ones, is, is it that you have like options that's like here's the here's the buffet and you can pick and choose from yeah. this yeah a little bit i mean i don't like to romanticize well i ask the customer and try to figure it out and it's like yeah everyone does so um, <laughs> i guess th there is a it's bit called of a, running a business <laughs> yeah yeah th there is a bit of a menu um i have my preferences i like my um sliding dropout in the rear some of this stuff like that but yeah, people have input. Uh, Erica does a really cool job of, like, doing some, like, um, masking work. We have a little vinyl cutter, and she'll do, like, little detail work and stuff. And sometimes I'll put inlays on bikes where 
Bailey's that has like a Zia that's cut into the chainstay and then filled with brass and then sanded smooth. So wow. the image reappears on what you cut in kind of with a brass inlay. Yeah. And so those are like cool details. When um, Yeshe, that buddy that went down to mm-hmm. Oaxaca, he came down and apprenticed. He's an artist, so his went crazy. I mean, he had like leopards, like acid etched in there. And then he had little hearts and stuff carved in brass inlay. Like his was, his was cool. But um, yeah, I mean... I don't like to say no to anything. I don't like to say I'm the artist. I like people to say what I like and all this. I don't like to act that that the custom process shouldn't be custom in any way. But I also don't like to act that I don't have an opinion. Because I do. I, I have an aesthetic. I, I like to do things. So most of the time when someone's gonna comes to me and wants to throw down, they know who I am and they're they're ready to sign up I for feel something like that's, that we yeah. agree on pretty much. Yeah. So I, you I mean you have an aesthetic that you've built and I feel like if you spend 30 seconds on your website, you kind of have an idea what you're going to walk away with, you know, yeah, from, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, uh, at least like a design or a aesthetic standpoint. I wanted to ask you a personal question. Well, personal for me okay. to, to help myself. So I'm, I have my, uh, my Stella Chumba, my, mm-hmm. uh, it's like a hardtail, uh, hardtail mountain bike. Thai. Tie, yeah, and I really want to run these style BMX style handlebars on there. Uh-huh. What do you think? Like, how does that convert? So it's obviously designed for it to be like a traditional like flat bar right. mountain bike. How did how would it work if I threw on one of those? Well, it depends on where you're starting with as far as stack and stuff. If you like a direct plug and play, would be if you have like a bunch of spacers underneath your stem. I do. If you have that, then you just take drop. Your, drop your stem and add the bars, and there you were where Boom. you started. The riser bars that we do go from sweepy to sweepier. So bike packers always talk about sweep, and it's nice. You know, when you're mountain biking on an aggressive mountain bike, less sweep can be okay. You know, you have this, like, gorilla pose, and yeah. you're, like, really wrangling this thing. But when you're sitting on that saddle all day, shoot, it's nice to drop those arms a little bit and bring your wrists and, and it, get everything in line with that sweep. Right. And so that's the biggest thing. The one thing that you want to watch is if you come from, say, a flat bar, which you probably don't run, you probably run, like, uh, some Jones bar or something. I don't yeah. Know. Well, I had, uh, I had the... Venture Max, Richie XLs, whatever those are. Okay. I don't know. And then it's like a drop bar. Yep. And then now I got the Velo Orange Curvy bars on there. Okay. Which I like the sweep on those, but what I found is like on rougher stuff, the sweep is too much back like this. So mm-hmm. whenever you're going forward, you're like having to grip tighter because uh-huh. your hand is kind of sliding. Interesting. So yeah. I feel like like felt like less of a sweep. So now I'm you're more a sweep like expert. Push, yeah. Now you know. Against. Now you know your shit. Now you're. Like, yeah. It took it took one <laughs> ride on. <laughs> but um no so we just like them a little sweepier than normal and then uh what i would say is like the odd money handlebars that's the one i do with sean burns oddity um and that's like a set but these are titanium because i can i guess but um (laughs) so the odd monies have 15 degrees so if you'd imagine that your aggressive mountain bike starts with about nine degree sweep right i have my carbon riser bar I wanted that, the, the carbon version, I wanted that to be a direct plug-and-play for full suspension bikes. So that is a 12-degree. So it's sweepier than standard, but it's not yeah. quite my odd money, which is 15-degree. And then the meal replacement comes back into 25-degree. The meal replacement. Yeah, the meal replacement <laughs> bar. Yeah, yeah. So That's what one I want on my, like, around town bike, you know. Oh, yeah. I was looking at, um, oh, someone got me on to, uh, oh, it was a Rivendell. Which, which model? The, um... Fuck, my brain is Model terrible. bike or bar? Yeah, of the Rivendell. But he, 
Saint Clem. No. There's like a Ben Hancock or something. Okay, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I can't remember. That uh, sounds like a Rivendell for sure. It's, if, if there isn't a Ben Hancock, there probably will be. They're, they're going to come up with one now. Yeah. But no, he. I pod, it was uh, Nick Yabara. I podcast with him uh, in Austin, just a few. But he had one with the that came all the way back, this uh-huh. like that. And I was riding around, that around. I was like, dude, this is the life right oh, here. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You, you so got the, that meal replacement plan. Yeah, so the... the deal with the big sweep is you always got to watch reach so that bar that he had is like is that the albatross or something it might be yeah. i didn't ask so it him comes but back think... and makes this right angle and comes yep. to you and you really got to watch because that thing is going to basically eat up your reach yeah so if you like being in a regular bar and then all of a sudden you start adding sweep like you just lost a lot of top tube so some people who are trying to direct plug and play like they know their fits perfect i say yeah add like 20 mils of stem or something for a mule replacement bar and it, the odd money a little bit less so, but that mineral replacement once you start adding quite a bit of sweep, yeah. then you'll you'll take away from a little reach of the thing. I want to try some, man. How much do those company? bars cost? The mineral replacement's one hundred and twenty-five. So that thing is they're bent in Taiwan and then shipped to me, and then I braze them and finish them. Um, and so that that's the more economical. They're high tent steel, a little bit heavier. They're about exactly what like a sun, surly sunrise bar is. Okay. And then the odd monies are forty one thirty chromoly, and they have a nicer finish. And I always two pass those because I always want them perfect. And those run one hundred seventy nine for the standard brushed, and then one ninety nine for the for the turbo midnight like darker acid etch finish. Mm, so. I want to try some. They look cool as yeah, hell. That's, I that's want them on part. my bike. That's you know? yeah, yeah. yeah, they look cool as well. I mean, your bikes in general like look cool as hell. Again, Bailey's bike, the one you sold today, that came. Out, I mean, they just they're they're works of art oh, too. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah. Well, do you think so? I mean, do you fa- fa- fancy yourself a little bit of a artist at all? Yeah, I mean, when I'm carving a little brass inlay, yeah, I feel like a little artist, but. Uh... It's a really gratifying thing to be able to put all the things together, join them together, and then people appreciate it. Yeah, in that essence, yeah, I feel like an artist, and it's extremely gratifying, and I feel super lucky because mm. I'm, I'm not that skilled and I'm not that smart, but I just like have been on this path for long enough that like, mm. damn, I'm like, I've got it down, and and people notice, and so that's really fortunate, you know. Well, it's it's always cool when you can you know do it your way find a, a, a way to run a business and build a bike that is authentic to yourself and the way you want to live your life and then have other people accept that yeah and also value it um so yeah it's gotta be very rewarding yeah it's and it's super fortunate like i said I, there's nothing that's super talented about me i've been doing it a while so like that's the lucky time part. matters time is big those guys in uh, taiwan that you went and learned from I mean, god the time that they put in to become that good i mean time time matters so. one of the guys was called senior master i think he was like late 60s maybe 70 years old and he'd always point at his head and tap his temple and he would go he, he wouldn't say anything but basically what are you saying like i'm smarter than you because <laughs> he, he came up with a lot of stuff in that in that little shop like all the racks that hame frames and all the workflow and a lot that was like a lot of the senior master was his english like translation for me yeah yeah oh he called himself senior master no no no. that was what they called him that was like that's what they called him yeah okay. so they probably had it was like a chinese i name. think in your bread truck you should be the senior master <laughs> or yeah, senior yeah. master or i'll something. be yeah uh, i'll be master of no one in there yeah master of yourself master yeah. of your bread truck yeah 
But I have I have had a few interns. Yeshe, I keep mentioning him, good buddy of mine. He interned and came down and slept on a thermorest on my floor, and we was just at bike camp, and we rode a bunch. And he was there for a little over a month and made himself a beautiful twin-top tube clunker with yeah. a triplane. I mean, this thing was... That, Matt Mason got hooked on that bike. Okay. He saw... Because Ye- Yeshe is huge, too, so yeah. it's got, you know, 29.26, huge wheels, as well as a huge, so the thing looks proportional, like kind of old school, low slung clunker. When, when's Matt's bike coming in? Matt's on the top of the list right now, and I'm a little swamped, but he's a sweetheart, so he's not sweating me right now. But and um, he just won a bike. <laughs> that's funny, because I, I came here and it's what's the guy? Say the I, name. I don't for know. Me. I don't know. Blaufemit. Blaphemit. God, I'm murdering it. Dylan is his name. Yeah, but, um, Dylan is the guy's name, but I don't know the. I, I can't. Yeah, it, it was a tough one. Yeah, yeah. And, and Matt was like, "It's okay. It's a hard name." <laughs> yeah, but so he he raffled off this bike, and then no one believed it. But here's Matt Mason won the thing, and I yeah. came down and I was like, "Matt, are we still on for a bike? Are you all set <laughs> yeah. up now?" <laughs> that was actually my part of my question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think. I mean, no, I don't. It's actually not a question because the way he talks about your bikes. I mean, Matt and I talk a lot, text a lot, and. Uh, uh, there is very rarely a time he doesn't bring up your bikes in some form or he's, capacity. He's been know? a huge advocate, and I'm not sure why, but I love him for it. Well, he loves your bikes, man. Yeah. He likes you. I mean, he likes, yeah. you know. I and mean, Matt he, and I, are, we're kindred spirit. He started out through hiking like right, me, and, yeah. and uh, we kind of have a similar approach to riding. Yeah. And I am not nearly as saintly as Matt. I mean, Matt's out here busting his ass. He's got a whole bikepacking summit and he's got a whole route and he's advocating for his state and his community i mean it's really like yeah it's pretty special sainthood. To, to watch him yeah sainthood sainthood, sainthood achieved. i feel like i man i was thinking about it, he needs like a donation box you know like or a venmo or uh-huh. something you know yeah, like because yeah, yeah. i mean like it's like i don't know just a way to say yeah, thank you you know matt mason patreon let's get one of those that's what we him. need i'm not even kidding because yeah. the guy is putting in so much work a lot of people here have yeah. and um, hell, I'm getting paid to be here, you know? Yeah. I mean, Matt isn't even getting paid, you know? What's it, his wife's name? Annie? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I think it's Annie. But yeah. I went over there, and I would just park my truck over at his place, and she came out, and she goes, you're Shell, right? And I was like, yeah, friends with Matt. And she goes, I know you. And I was like, oh, I guess I guess you would. And and um, she goes, it's so special what he's doing. He's he's such a great person, you know? And I'm just like, I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really cool to yeah. hear his partner just being, like, so stoked on Matt. And yeah. I was like, you're absolutely right. He is... He's really an incredible person, and it's so, just to be around him too. And like when he was on the podcast, I mean, I listened to that without flinching. And like Matt is really easy to listen to talk, and like yeah. he's a very warm person to be around. Yeah, I love him. He's mm-hmm. um, New Mexico in general is chock full of some really amazing people. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's truly incredible. That's why I was excited to come up here and, and hang out. I, it extends to bike packing. I was saying to someone earlier, like at my East Texas showdown, I mean, we had, you know, 40, 50 people hanging around. And I mean, it's the same shit. It's like these people are just awesome. You know, yeah. I just love bikes. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. It draws uh, a, a very unique and uh, like purposeful, mm-hmm. more mindful people. Yeah. You know? Maybe you get some more introspective and mental health. Uh, you know, maybe maybe those mental health machines are actually doing some pretty good yeah, good yeah, work yeah. for all of yeah, us. Yeah, what totally. if that was the secret? You know, if bikes really were the secret, it's like we're all chill and pretty cool and, you know, maybe a little interesting. And I feel like I've talked to so many people and, like, everybody has an interesting story, an interesting perspective. And, you know, I just I enjoy getting to know all of them. What's your goal with the podcast? Where do you want to go with it? Now, I want I mean, do you to, have, you want to go full time? That seems to yeah. be something on your mind. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 
I mean, as corny as it sounds, I feel like like everything in my life has has led up to this. Like every like even Mormonism, like being able to talk to people and uh, like the way I learned a lot of that communication from a religion. And um, you know, I just feel like in many ways, I don't. It's hard to explain. It's just like this is what I've been supposed to be doing. That's it. it that, I don't know how to say it other than that. It's just like this is my thing. This is what I'm going to do. And uh, I would do it without the money or with, you know, with or without. But, you know, my goal is to, um, to do this, to do this. Make it sustainable and talk for yourself. To and, yeah. And we're not, we're not far away. I mean, we're getting close. Okay. I, I'm like, hopefully like one or two real estate transactions away from like never, ever selling another house again oh. and just doing this full time. But And your daughters are five and eight? Five and 12. Five and 12. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the biggest consideration is, like, it has to work. I have people that rely on me, so there isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card. And, yeah, yeah. you know, I go live in my van for a while, and, like, it would be totally fine. I'd enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 But that's not an option. Like, I need a house and rooms right. and food and all those things. And But, again, I mean, the community has been really great. Did you hear the call to action that I put out? It was a little while ago, but essentially... I'll tell you since it sounds like you don't know. Uh, Remind me, because I, th- I thought there was... Maybe like, it was Jessica Alexander's episode that came out. I think it was episode 87. Okay. So fairly recent. But I, I just had a thing at the beginning of that where I was like, well, in my personal life, I just ran out of money. <laughs> like, and, and the analogy that I've been using with all my friends is, I don't, you know that song, The Gambler by uh, Kenny Rogers? Like, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. And uh, one of the lines in that, or one of the lyrics is, uh, you never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough to count when when the dealing's done. I felt like with Bikes for Death that I had like a really good hand. You know, I felt like like this is an incredible opportunity. I I mean, I'm so fortunate to talk to you and so many other people and then to have it like well-received, right? So I went all in on that hand, man. And like, I didn't count my chips, but money, like I I spent like, I just did my tags like, like a stupid number in 2020, you know, just to like finance, like buy all the gear and travel. And like, I mean, it costs a lot of money, like build a website. And like, I don't know, it was just, it was like a lot more money than I thought. And I like put everything into this. And I essentially went to like, went on the podcast. I almost just walked away because I was like, I can't do it anymore. Like I got to be a dad. I got to like prioritize that a hundred percent. And uh, it was really sombering moment. And I was like, you know what? I can always come back to podcasting. Like, it'll be there. Like, I can step away and, you know, it, whatever. I can, like, it'll be there. And I almost just walked away. But I was like, you know what? That's not fair to, like, everybody else who, like, listens. And, you know, like, I should give y'all, the community, a chance to have a say in it. Because it's not just about me, you know. It's grown past that. And uh, so I just was like listen and I was just like heartfelt the way I'm now I'm like dude I'm I put everything in and I can't do it anymore without help and if you would like to support the podcast or know like a company that would like to advertise on a podcast or whatever Mm. then you know that's what I need otherwise I gotta just go and sell real estate so I was just like like that and dude it stepped up I mean I got like six advertising partners now and really I went from like $400 a month on Patreon to $1,500 a month on Patreon and I mean it's like 
happening. You Good. Know? Yeah. Matt yeah. Mason reached out. I mean, that's why I'm here. Matt Mason reached out. Like, based on that, he called me. He's like, dude, I'm doing this. I'm going to see what I can do. And what he did was get the state of New Mexico to pay Bikes or Death to come up here and podcast and bring some attention and awareness to this event and what's going on in New Mexico. So it's kind of a cool segue into what I think is really neat about what's going on in, in Mexico or New Mexico is how the government is being so supportive of the efforts that are going on here so much so that they'll pay someone to come in or they'll, you know, do this whole thing and it's fully supported and uh, kind of in conjunction with the government and yeah. man, to have that in place. And again, Matt did that like Matt, the hippie hiker rat mm. desert rat guy, you yeah. know, like, but he is the kindest, nicest guy. And, um, just has the sweetest heart and i don't know he he's an engaging person in a in a very like soft-spoken way and yeah. i think i think if it wasn't for him and probably pablo i don't know pablo as well but i know he was like heavily involved like man i don't know probably wouldn't have gone down the same way yeah should god bless matt mason <laughs> matt mason for president we should uh we should we're gonna go hang out with him aren't we oh i suppose yeah <laughs> well, it was a pleasure chatting with you, sir. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Man, I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, it was it was kind of fun, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's just it's just talking. I'm looking forward to uh, tomorrow night in the desert. Yeah. Are you are you riding with us? Are you riding yeah. with? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of working, but in the nighttime, dude, it's almost like a full moon. Like it's gonna be a, a good. Oh time. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm into it. I'm into it. All right, uh, you don't have to do this, but if you want to, um, I'm trying to get all my guests to say, go ride your damn bike. So you can oh. be like, hey, this is show money, get out, there, whatever you want to do. But if you want Wait, to. Wait, can I go? You load up your bike. Yeah, you, you ride away yeah. from home. Yeah. <laughs> do it. Show money and Patrick from the Monumental Loop signing off. Ride your damn bike. Hell yeah. <laughs> all right, good job. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode. And again, thanks to Shell Money for being so money and coming on the podcast. Seriously, a super great conversation. And I want to follow up real quick on something that Shell and I talked about towards the end of the podcast, which was figuring out a way to help support the work that Matt Mason has been doing over there in southern New Mexico. I took it upon myself to go ahead and create him his very own Patreon account. This was not his idea. I did this 100% on my own because the truth is that Matt is too nice to do this for himself. In fact, he's been working over there in southern New Mexico and Las Cruces area for the past you know, six or seven years. Uh, legitimately developing the monumental loop, which turned into the danger bird, which is the, you know, the bike ride. It's not a race, but the bike ride that, you know, 120 plus people showed up to a couple weekends ago to ride. And now the New Mexico bikepacking summit. He has built all of this without any financial help or backing He's just been doing it out of the kindness of his heart because it's the right thing to do and because he wants to make the cycling community better. He wants to have more access, more people on bikes, all the good things. And he's been doing it selflessly and tirelessly on his own for 
far too long. And after having many conversations like the one that you heard with Shell Money on the podcast over the my weekend there at the uh, New Mexico Bikepacking Summit and the Danger Bird, I talked to so many people who wanted to support what Matt was doing and there just wasn't a way. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to make it. I'm just going to do it. So if you want to look into supporting what Matt Mason and the folks over at Monumental Loop are doing, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Monumental Loop Fund. And I will also include a link in the show notes and a link on my website to make it easy for you to find. But there is no doubt in my mind that the weekend that we just had the opportunity that I had to interact with all of those cyclists and the the opportunity that all of them had to be there to experience that part of New Mexico and the community that has been built around it is thanks in very large part to the work that Matt is doing. And so show him a little bit of love. You've seen what he has done with absolutely no money. Let's see what he can do with a little bit of change in his pocket, okay? So if you want to support anybody this week, kick your dollars over to Matt and the Monumental Loop Fund and uh, support the great work that they have going on over there. All right, well, listen, uh, over here in Bikes or Death land, we are gearing up to head to Stillwater, Oklahoma. We'll be there this weekend. The Truffle Shuffle, the fall edition of the Truffle Shuffle is going on on November 7th. I've been asked to be a celebrity judge, which is pretty great. Uh, pretty excited. I, I don't, I'm, I'm judging costume contests, but I haven't been to this event before, so I don't know exactly what to expect. But my family and I are going to be there represented in full. My almost 12-year-old daughter and I will be on the tandem. And then Sarah will be riding her bike and pulling Sloan on the pull-behind bike. And uh, we've got our own fancy costumes, but I'm not going to give that away right now. You're going to have to just going to have to wait and see. But uh, pretty excited to get up there back to Stillwater, hang out with that crew and uh, soak in their vibes. And then uh, actually after that, I'm headed over to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm meeting up with Scotty Lechuga, who was the overall winner of the Arkansas High Country race this year. She beat out the men, the women, and set a new women's FKT. She's already been on the podcast once before, but I am absolutely looking forward to catching back up with her because she is an all-star. And uh, I can tell you, she is gearing up uh, for more bigger, badder things, which will be cool. So I can't wait to hear about that. All right, everybody. I think that is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for being here. And don't forget, head over to patreon.com forward slash monumental loop fund to support what Matt has going on. And then go ride your damn bike. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You let that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. 